keep close to the microphone. Yeah. As yeah. per usual. As yeah. per usual. But you must be used to it now after... I mean, you say you're running your own podcast before too. Yeah, so I've done uh, two different podcasts. Um, one which was sort of like by myself uh, talking about like different tech and gaming news. Like this was like way back in... I don't even know, like 2017, maybe like okay. before I even started uni. Um, and then I did one whilst I was actually in uni mm. um, because I think it was like sort of a reaction uh, to the COVID lockdowns. Um, what we did was like, uh, cause I was part of the student exec uh, at media design school. So me and my friend was like, we gel pretty well together. We should like start a podcast and see where it goes. Yeah, We did like five episodes or at least four between the two of us and then me with somebody else for one episode. But like it just, it just rolled so well that it was like, this could, this could actually get really good. (laughs) But then after, well, he graduated and I was still doing my stuff. Yeah. It was kind of like, well, okay, I guess we're, we're not doing this anymore, but we'll see what happens once we get out of uni. So, <laughs> so do you mean like your time didn't sync up? No, not after not after he left. Yeah, mm. yeah, because um, he's now turned into uh, a flight attendant for a New Zealand. Right. So like he's somewhere off in the world. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. The time difference is difficult. Huh? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. What was yeah. that podcast about? Um, it was kind of just talking about like, uh, student life, whatever was going on sort of in our, like in our daily lives as students for me design school, it was kind of more like an internal podcast Mm. where like Uh. we would be talking about, you know, what was going on, uh, at, on the campus and like what was kind of just going on in our daily lives, almost like, you know, just a general podcast, no like real, like major theme, Mm. but it had like the ideas there to be like, oh yeah, we could talk about this, we could talk about that, but we also want to make sure we mention stuff about like student life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was the main audience for that the media design school. Yeah, students? I would say so. Media design school body, and then also like the faculty, which uh, surprisingly they actually really enjoyed, and that like people kept coming up to us being like, we know you get this question a lot. Yeah when's the next episode it's like oh my god we need to we need to we need to plan it like it's gonna take it's gonna take so much time but like you know it's it's yeah, it's something it's it, gonna... it is a lot of work it's surprisingly a lot of work i think yeah as a listener because you know i only started my podcast this year too and as a listener i didn't really appreciate how much work goes into this yeah and how much time goes into this Therefore, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when we did, when we did our one, uh, not only were we like uploading it to YouTube as a, as like long form video content, mm. we were also uploading it to Spotify as long form video content, because I think with certain podcasts, you can actually like upload a video as well. Yeah. So like we were doing it on those two things. And then we also had like this big, like three camera setup with like, uh, we had like a black magic pocket as our main camera and then we had my camera and his camera and it was like there was so much editing going into it what's black magic pocket it's a it's a 6k sensor like mini camera that's like cinema grade essentially yeah yeah surprisingly we had a we had a friend who's actually a lecturer who um who was like I have an extra camera if you need it. Like, <laughs> if you want to borrow it, you can. It's like, okay. It brings it in. There's a black magic pocket that wow. that's worth, like, so much money. I'm like, are you sure you could trust us with this? 
<laughs> so there was filming both of you. Yeah. And you had two other cameras yeah. for each of you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have to... Because it takes a long time to edit that too. Yeah, it did. It yeah. really did. It took like at least a week and like so much time on top of like what we were doing for our studies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because how long were your podcasts? Like the length of them? It was about like one to two hours depending. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. listening back to them and then matching the cameras according to that. Yeah, exactly. It's all manual work, right? Yeah. All manual work. Yeah. Yeah. And then also trying to find like, especially if we had um, guests from like, you know, local or uh, overseas, like in Australia, like Damn. also trying to get the feeds off that as well, trying to get everything synced up. And it was just like so much work. Were the guests like game dev people? Uh, no, just creatives. Creatives, like, It yeah. was actually just our friends that we had over in like um, one of our sister schools. Uh, what was it? Um, uh the da, 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 Torrance University Ultimo, I think okay. it was. Yeah. 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 Is it so, sort of like media design school, but in Australia? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, mm. I mean, they, they obviously offer more like programs and stuff, but mm. um, specifically the Ultimo campus was no, like notably known for their sort of creativity uh, like degrees. Yeah. yeah. What was um? Because how, how long... What was your frequency like? How often did you release? Uh, I think we released it like bi-weekly. I think bi-weekly, it was. Bi-weekly, okay. Yeah, so like every two weeks, um, which would give us some time to film it plus like edit and make sure that everything was, you know, the way that we hoped it would be. And yeah. how did you promote it? Um, we, so it's funny. We actually just used all the like internal sort of, uh, systems we had already created as a team. Yeah. So Damn. it was a good chance to like utilize the discord servers, um, utilize like the student emailing list, uh, social media, like Instagram yeah. and all that. Um, so yeah, we, we had everything available to us. It was just a case of like, how do we utilize this in the right way? Mm. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. I think that's the... I feel like that feels right to me because it's so organic. You yeah. start with the local community and at the same time, it caters to like, you know, niche of people that they're interested in. Yeah, for um, sure. And I think, do you listen to much other podcasts? Uh, oh, not really. Not really. I'm not much of a podcast person. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So one of my favorite podcasts, Lex Friedman. Have you heard of Lex Friedman? Uh, I think I've heard the name. You might have heard the name. He's yeah. he's like friends with like Joe Rogan and oh, like yeah. other like comedians and like jujitsu people. Yeah. Um, but he's a researcher at MIT, I think. Uh -oh. But though, so he's got a um though thing that he's most known for is his podcast, the Lex Friedman podcast. Right. And yeah. the way he started is very similar to you. He was lecturing at MIT and he started the podcast as as part of the but material for the what oh, he was lecturing really? yeah so he used to because he lectures like ai stuff right so he yeah. would interview ai people and he would release that as podcast and just be like oh students like listen to this right and okay. since then it, it got big so i think it used to be called the ai podcast or something and since then it got bigger and bigger now it's called the lex friedman podcast and he has a lot of like ai people on but also comedians um, he's super into martial arts, so he has martial arts people oh, on, wow. and um, and like a lot of politicians and things. Mm. Um, yeah, and I felt like I think, you know, that that feels uh like the way to go. 
Yeah. The ideal way to go anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, if you want to start it, you should start it anyway, whether if it's podcast or YouTube channel or anything. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's that feels like the feels like the kind of textbook way to go yeah um i think in terms of like the direction i would go if i wanted to start up another podcast Mm. i don't think i would actually do a podcast i think i would do more of um live uh what is it called live play like tabletop uh rpg sort of uh podcast uh in the sense that you know it's just a sit down uh session of like me and a bunch of other people just playing D D or something like that Mm. yeah and it would be like a long form, like two to three hours, you reckon? I don't even think it would be three hours. It would be like four. Four hours. Yeah. No editing. No editing. They do that with the... Uh, do you know Viva, Viva La Dirt? Viva La Dirt yeah, yeah, yeah. They do that, right? I, I haven't seen it, but I've seen them playing D&D. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, f- I follow mostly um, like the two staples, uh, Critical Role and Dimension 20. Right. Um, and yeah, like their their episodes normally last about four hours maximum. Yeah. Um. But, like, most of the time, it's pretty, like, uncut, mm. uh, except for when they're cutting to, like, a commercial break or something like that. But, um, yeah, like, honestly, I could go as long as I wanted to on those kinds of things, but you got to cut it off somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, because how long are the D&D sessions usually? Uh, for me, typically, it is about four hours. Four hours. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there will be a good session, you know, like a podcast episode, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Like, um, I'm currently playing in one campaign as a player mm. and then also running one, uh, one campaign myself. So, uh, between the two, I have a lot of documented content that is in the form of notes and stuff. And even for uh, for the one that I'm playing in, I've actually started recording those sessions, not for podcast usage, but mm. more for like keeping track of notes because we find it easier not only to have the physical notes in front of us, but also having a voice recording of the session as a whole, right. so that we can refer back to it and be like, oh, this is a this is a like a a little detail that we actually missed, right? Yeah, because there's always going to be a chance that between me another note taker and then also the dungeon master that there's going to be elements that we're going to miss and you know that's just human error really but um you come back to it and it's like oh my god i i missed this one crucial element that we need for like the session so i better record this now or make sure that it's somewhere so that i can refer back to it is it part of like the just trying to be as realistic as possible in terms of world building is not, that usually the case? Not really, actually. Mm. Um, there's a lot of elements both in both of the campaigns that I play in where actually it is leaning more into that sort of power fantasy genre, uh, even though it's not necessarily, you know, fantasy, for example. Like, um, my my campaign that I'm running is more or less akin to sort of like steampunk uh, industrialism kind mm. of thing. Um, my campaign that i'm playing in on the other hand is very much uh 1950s and 1990s uh high school mm. so it's very very different in comparison to like uh previous campaigns that i've played in where it's very gritty raw fantasy and like with like really just harsh rules but it's a lot more freeing and it's a lot more i guess yeah just it it feels different but familiar 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've never played D and D before. I know the concept of it. <laughs> so, what you start with the world, right? Ah, uh, I mean, from a dungeon master's perspective, yeah. Okay. Do. Yeah. So, and there is there like a website that has all the worlds that's available. So, set up for you in terms of in terms of uh like running it by the book. Um, if to put it sort of in perspective, you've got physical books that you can buy. Uh, from like. I don't know, like a, a game store, mm. but uh, there's also uh, resources like D and D Beyond, Roll Twenty, who all have the books in like sort of a digital format as well. Right. So you can refer uh, to those for like you know buy the book campaigns, but uh, for the especially for the two campaigns, going back to it again, um, both of them are what we call homebrew campaigns. So the worlds are completely created by us, the DMs. And have no, well, little to no ties to the original world that Fifth uh, Edition Dungeons and Dragons is based off. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but there are like I know there are like different editions of worlds as well. Like, uh, like you said, like 1950s, 60s high school. Yeah. But when I think of D and D, it's like. Back in the days, you like know? Lord like of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, like high vibe. fantasy, yeah yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So is there like people come up with different things, kind of like modes in games? Is yeah, I would say so. Like, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of flexibility when it comes to playing Dungeons and Dragons and making content for Dungeons and Dragons, in the sense that, uh, like you know, you've got the overall like standard narrative of you know the world that D and D is supposed to be ran in where it's high fantasy, you've got, you know, elven archers who are riding on horseback, like mm. shooting people down um, all the way to the point of like, uh, now I think one of the more recent books was like their interpretation of Harry Potter. Right. But like with five different universities spanning five different like schools of magic. That sounds sick. Um, with like big, just like big buildings and like just this grandioseness of like, um, you know, a large world um so even even in this sort of like power power fantasy vacuum that it's created there is a lot of diversity but there could always be more mm. which is kind of the like kind of the the take that a lot of people do with uh when it comes to creating homebrew content um in the sense that you know it's making something that wasn't originally there in the original story that has pretty much been provided to you because like for context um my campaign that i'm running is essentially uh the the big the big picture of it that i wanted to create was what if i created a world that was more aligned with things of asian culture okay. or like non-eurocentric culture because mm. a lot of what you see in Dungeons and dragons is very much like the Knights Templar, the like, um, you know, invasion of castles and and like very right. European ideals. But then you look at the older versions, so like, uh, three point five, four, maybe two, even one, uh, of Dungeons and Dragons, like the 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 different older editions, and you look at say like the Asian inspired elements of those settings, mm. nowhere near as like realistic as it is because it's very it's not 
Asian. It's very Oriental. It'll, I guess it has to do with where Dungeons and Dragons started, right? Exactly. You'd be their imp- interpretation of what they think Asian is. Virgin, yeah. Yeah. Culture is. Exactly. Yeah. So I wanted to create sort of my take on that being somebody of Asian descent mm. and providing my knowledge to the culture and creating a world that is based off that knowledge that is more, uh, I would say, like more to the like to the heart, if en- if anything, and making sure that it feels the most satisfactory for like, you know, say another Asian person to come in and play and be like, wow, this is re- represented really, really well. Yeah. But also having elements where it keeps to uh, that sort of original D&D feel, just less of the like Eurocentri- uh, Eurocentricity, I guess you'd call it. I don't even know if that's a word, but like, <laughs> yeah, like making sure that it just doesn't feel like typical D&D where you kind of feel like an outlier in that sense. Yeah. Is it all to do with immersiveness? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it really does come down to like how immersed you get your players uh, to be because you know you could you could say like you walk into a village that's it mm. um but then like you, if you if you take it the other way and you kind of go you walk into this um you know small town you see that there's like this channel of water running through it uh bridges overlapping everything and like you start talking about then like the architecture and right. uh sort of the elements that are more present within like you know what you typically expect and it's like yeah this is definitely what's going to make it feel uh more to the to the teeth of what you've got in your notes for like this world Mm. yeah and that's the dungeon master's job right exactly yeah how much preparation because dylan i mean we'll get into all all of these things but you do a lot of things oh yeah (laughs) you know you do a lot of things like streaming photography and you know until recently you've been working on you know you have your study that had as well yeah and on top of that not only playing in a campaign but also dungeon master in another yeah how much preparation does that take surprisingly it doesn't take that much preparation really yeah like you'd be you'd be very much surprised like uh if you if i were to show you my notes for the world like yeah sure it's like notes that have spanned like maybe one or two years worth of development Mm. but when it comes to the like session by session notes that i create before i actually go in and be and sit down and play okay it only takes like 30 minutes what what would be the preparation look like what would they look like um it's kind of like it's it's a long-term thing which i'm trying to like sort of optimize always um but really when it what it comes down to is kind of just you know what do you expect the players to go? Like, what are the different directions you expect the players to go? Mm. And how do you plan for those situations? Because it's not really, in a sense for me, planning via the plot. It's planning via the situation. Because, you know, your players, depending on how the, like, not not necessarily, like, the team comp is set up, but how, like, their egos kind of clash with the dungeon master in a good way. Mm. Um how will they sort of like um you know take the campaign that you've created because if you keep your uh if you keep your world open like a sandbox uh they're going to find exploits Mm. and they're going to find ways to be like 
I don't want to follow this route. I'm going to go take this route. Yeah. And be like, I have not planned for that, but okay, we're going this route then. Yeah. Like there's been, there's been many a time where like they, my players did that. Yeah. Like exact movement. And I was like, okay, I got to think of something right on the spot, like right now <laughs> and like adapt to that change. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. Like, um, I've had one encounter where basically like they came up against a large, like water-based Leviathan beast. Okay. And, um, the thing was, is that I didn't, obviously I didn't want them to kill it. Right. But I didn't want to put up like, uh, you know, I didn't want to put up too much of a fight or I should mm. say, well, I wouldn't say too much of a fight. I wanted to put up a fight, but make it feel like they should probably run away from this rather than continue fighting. It, right. Right. And I was like, okay, what's a stat block I can use? Okay. Dragon turtle. Right. How can I, how can I like create the design? Okay. It's mm. got like a giant red horn. It looks like a giant snake. It has like legs and stuff. Mm. And then, uh, then it has like this whole thing about, you know, it was split in two, uh, and like this, that, and the other. And then it just, because of how I was saying it, I was like, hey, this kind of works, mm. surprisingly. So now, like, I go back home and I go through my review notes and I'm like, I should put this down as an actual thing that is possible in the world. Right. And, like, again, that's more planning. Like, you, you start to create these, like, background narratives that sort of keep the world going at a pace and mm. like keep it sort of ever like everlasting and sort of live essentially because the players only get to experience whatever's in front of them but there's always going to be things in the background that are going to be affecting them in one way or the other yeah so like creating those narratives is part of the job but it's something that someone as a dungeon master doesn't really have to think about until the time comes but when it comes to it, you, you, like you say, you might have to sometimes make it up on the spot. Exactly. Yeah. Th that sounds tough. It does. But when you've been playing it for, I would say, like I have for like two years, mm. as of now, two to three years, you you find your flow and right. it becomes almost like second nature to do because like, sure, you may like want to over prep, but in actual fact, like at least the way that I find it is it's better that I under prep so that I have that breathing room to then do these kinds of things because then like the way that I think it's sort of like um what is it the some of my best ideas actually just come from being under pressure in a way mm. I create these really cool narratives when I'm best under pressure right yeah even as not just as a player, but also as a dungeon master, because mm. like, if I can do that, then it's like, okay, I need a quick think. I need to start like, um, bursting out ideas and then I'll find something that I like just, you know, split out as like some just random context. And it's like, whoa, this works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And do you find that fun? Do you find that satisfying? I find that so satisfying. Yeah. Like it's, it's probably one of my favorite sort of, uh, techniques that I use, which is really odd to say, but like at the same time, it's kind of like, Hey, I mean, if it's something that I could work really well with, then 
who knows how I can apply this to like actual real world stuff. Yes. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm already thinking like any improv comedy, you know, even stand up and things like that, you know? Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. It's, 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 it was an option that I had earlier in life, but then I was like, I don't think I'm funny enough to, (laughs) I don't think I'm funny enough to like do just stand up comedy. I'm yeah. I'm just me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I do well as just, you know, representing who I am as a person, but when it comes to like, you know, scripted comedy or something like that, I'm just like, what? (laughs) Yeah. What about improv? Improv. Same thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm always, like, thinking, like, uh, I gotta, I have to say something funny. But, like, when I'm not bound to, like, having to think like that, yeah, it's like, okay, I can just be myself. I can, like, express the way that I want to express myself. And I guess that's kind of, in a good segue, um, the best part about me when it comes to my, like, streaming stuff, right. I would say. Because, uh, for one, I, uh, I'm a VTuber, right? Mm. Or I'm primarily a VTuber now. And, uh, the main thing coming out of that is like, you know, I can hide behind an image. Uh, well, people kind of know who I am already, but for the most part, when I'm on stream, people like, I just hide behind an image and it means that like, I can just say whatever I want, obviously within the guidelines, but say whatever I want and make myself feel comfortable in the moment and come up with the funniest things to say in all honesty yeah and do you think not showing your face directly helps with that for sure for sure i mean i don't plan to stay as a vtuber i would say i'm very much hoping to swap my content to be more mixed in Mm. in a way uh using my actual like cameras and stuff to uh, I guess for for certain content, but then also using my like images and and VTubing stuff for uh, like other parts of my content as well. Yeah, yeah. It really depends on the situation. Like if I wanted to say integrate my D and D back into uh, regular scheduled content, I can turn on my cameras and be happy with it because I know for a fact that I as a person feel like if I was to either be playing or like dungeon mastering another campaign like that, I would want to show my expressions. Yeah. I would want to show me as a person expressing and, you know, showcasing how I act as a person, because like in a way, even though I don't plan to do stuff like stand up comedy, improv comedy, or like acting, mm. it's kind of a good way to like build up sort of a show reel that I can show to people be like, if you want me on your like D and D live play, here's the stuff that I've done. Yes. Yeah. It's like a portfolio, right? Exactly. Like I'm, I'm building up a somewhat reasonable portfolio for something that is so minuscule, but will hopefully down the line affect the way that things happen, I guess, or like, you know, how I do stuff in my day to day life. Do you mean to say that you want to take D and D more seriously? Once I have the time. Yeah. 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 I feel like D&D just as like a, uh, as an outlet has brought a lot of creativity and inspiration for me. Um, but at the same time, there's, uh, there's always that whole thing of like, I just don't have the time, mm. but 
there is also the fact of I have the time. So it's just like trying to find a balance between everything that I do mm. to create the time to then make the content to then push out that content and then create more content out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mean to say that you want to spend more time doing D&D without, I guess it's like, do you want to monetize your D&D um, sessions? In a, in a way, but I have to kind of find, like at the same time, I kind of have to find the right people and the right sort of, uh, the right sort of like group harmony to be able to do it. Because sure, everybody could play D&D, but only a certain group is going to be able to properly you know involve themselves in D D and mm. be able to be i guess comfortable making content about D D. so it's kind of finding the right people who would be keen to hop on a project and like whack out a few sessions and be like have some content there you go yeah yeah are you thinking something like Viva La Dirt? Yeah, in a way. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, I did. I did mention on Iconic Chaos's podcast that I did have a uh, an idea in mind for like a table that I wanted. Yes, uh, featuring a bunch of like New Zealand content creators. Grizz, Grizz, Twisted Little Red, uh, Iconic himself, mm. Pope, and like a few other people. Um, but it's up to them whether they feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, is the thing because I know for a lot of them they are newbies. They won't know how to do certain things. Obviously, yeah, I'm there to help them. But at the same time, it's that whole, I guess you'd say it's kind of like that dichotomy of, is it okay for me to ask him about these questions, even though they sound so dumb? Do you mean like from their perspective? From their perspective. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's no such thing as a stupid question, right? Mm. So like any question I'm happy to answer but it's up to them to pose said question and bring it to the table so that, you know, if if the situation comes up and it's like, uh, do I just like search this up or do I talk to him or what do, what, what, what do I do? And it's like, I don't know, you just tell me. Yeah. Just give me what you need what you need to know. And we're 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 talking in terms of the live streaming sense, right? The live streaming sense probably also like, you know, certain mechanics within D D as well. Yeah. Uh, or just anything to do with even the story of it as well. Because I've had people who have been hesitant to like come up to me and talk to me about certain things with D&D, but I'm always like, you know what? I'm all ears. Just tell me what you need to tell mm. me and we'll figure something out. So people struggle asking questions? I would say so. Is that yeah. what you commonly find? Yeah, because I think like uh, there's sort of a... It's sort of a, the weird thing of like... Um, a, a certain embarrassment okay. i guess asking about it because again it's kind of like you know they feel like it's a stupid question to ask mm. like it's probably the most simplest thing like say you know for a fighter for example if somebody's playing a fighter there's a um ability called action surge and which allows you to basically attack again and i've had people come up to me and it's like what does action surge do mm. and and they just think it's like a really stupid question but like you know i get it like you've got so much information on on the paper yeah. that you're, you're kind of just lost in the numbers, I guess. Mm. And it's kind of just like, uh, what, what what do I do? And it's like, okay, action surge is this, this, and this. Yeah. It's like, okay, great, cool, easy beans. Like, 
um, I was helping my friend out actually on Thursday with making a character. He built a shadow sorcerer, um, shadow magic sorcerer. And uh, the one thing I did tell him is, even though he's a spellcaster, he doesn't have to memorize all of his spells. Okay. Um, sort of to like branch off that, uh, on a on a YouTube channel I follow, uh, Jenny D, mm-hmm. um, she mentions that uh, she went to a sort of it's, it was like an event where basically they were playing D and D at a castle. Um, wow! But the That's cool. yeah, I know. Uh, but the the thing was is like uh, she was on a table where the dungeon master was the head designer of Dungeons and Dragons for Wizards of the Coast. Wow! And even even then, like for like a really simple spell, he completely mind blanked yeah. on it and was like let me go and grab my book and like actually pulls out like a physical player's handbook right. and rifles through it to find this one spell because like it just goes to show even some of the like the head like designers mm. don't know their spells because there are just so many different spells that you have to choose from they're like i'm i'm like ballparking this but like there's probably about 500 different spells yeah right like overall so to remember 500 different spells in your head that's a lot whilst remembering also all of your other features yeah. crazy <laughs> and things that are happening in the real world that the players are doing exactly yeah. as well so it's kind of like how like you, you don't have to remember all of these things and i get it that's what we're here for mm. this is why we step up to the plate and uh run these things for you guys is because then like well we can utilize that knowledge that we know and push that out to you because i just remember things by number really in the sense of like you know uh what does this thing do i know the page to go to right. for that thing i see yeah so there there are ways that we know where to go but obviously for us as dms but also us as players we don't need to know everything mm. we've got books and we've got resources online to help us with um you know managing the content that we need to how likely is that table that you're thinking of happen? I would say very likely. But yeah. at the same time, the one big like the one big enemy when it comes to tabletop RPGs, scheduling. Like when to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause everybody I know from that list that I just rifled off, mm. very busy people. Yeah. So it's finding the time uh to really just do it i'd say yeah like i've talked to every one of those people and they've all said keen 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 but it's just finding the time Mm. really like for some people you kind of have to plan like a month in advance yeah so it's it's hard it's it's the main thing yeah we're talking like four hours per session kind of vibe right is that what you think i i would say maybe like shortening it down to two hours yeah just so that people don't get bored people uh can like experience it but not to the fullest extent like say critical role like i wouldn't push a new player into a four-hour session Mm. it may turn out to be like that but uh at a like a rough estimate i would give them a timeline of at least two hours at least yeah because you never know if something's going to click with the entire group and then you're just going to pathway down that whole thing and then it will end up at four hours. Mm. So yeah, like 
the, there is the possibility of it being at four hours, but it's not the necessity. Like you could probably do things in about two hours. Yeah. Yeah. And would you say it's like a weekly thing? Again, scheduling. Yeah. That's the thing. When you have content creators who are trying to make part of their livelihood out of creating daily content, essentially, mm. it's hard, very hard. You kind of almost need to dedicate almost a day, uh, especially for a new player, to kind of just get into the right mindset, get to the table, sit down, play for a couple of hours, and then get back. And then by the time you get back, you'd think you want to stream, but your, your body's just tired. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because you're thinking on the spot for like two hours, right? Yeah. 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 You're like not only like thinking on the spot or uh, thinking via your notes, but you're also acting. Mm. Like I have oh. to put on so many different mannerisms, so many different voices, so many different uh, body, I guess, movements to emphasize the kind of ideas that I want to emphasize yeah. at the time. And like even now like i do a lot of hand movements because it's sort of a mannerism i've learned uh doing these sorts of like public speaking D D, and like other sort of like other sort of things mm. yeah so it, it's a lot of work physically as well yeah which is like interesting to say considering that you're sitting down at a table for four hours yeah so, yeah yeah i mean like they say with chess players, for example, they burn so much calories in, in like a single match, they say. Just by moving pieces. Yeah. Just because yeah. they're thinking so much and yeah. Yeah. They're thinking on the spot for like ages, high pressure, high stress. Yeah. Yeah. So I can I can see that. It could be like a very stressful. I mean, you're basically just sitting, but you know, that's not all you're doing, you know? Yeah. There's so much go more going on. Yeah. And especially with how, like how many other things that I'm actually doing at the moment as well, it's a lot more work as well because mm. on top of me thinking in the moment about like what do i say next i'm also thinking in the background oh i've got the shoot coming up this week yeah i gotta i gotta remember to prepare for that or yeah. i've got this ha thing happening this week i gotta prepare for that as well so yeah <laughs> damn it's a lot <laughs> do you think you live in the present moment very much so I would say I, I take each day sort of just like as it is, like, you know, whatever happens, happens kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of bleeds into everything that I do where it's like things are very spontaneous. I don't necessarily need that one month in advance preparation to say like, OK, I've, this date can be sorted out easily, no problem or anything. I just like spontaneously do things mm. like I think. uh I saw a message from like one of my friends being like, Hey, you want to go to Christmas in the park tonight? It's like, mm. all right, keen. <laughs> I don't have anything on tonight. I'll, 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 I'll do it. Heck yeah. 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 So like everything to me is very spontaneous in a sense, but there's also a, um, there's also a sense of organization, like in advance kind of thing. So it kind of just depends on the moment and it kind of depends on the situation. Like, you know, for D and D, for example, mm. I always make sure that, okay, my Thursday evenings are free because I want to go to D and D. Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm there, um, for like Wednesdays. I do, uh, lightsaber like, uh, fights and stuff mm. at the, at the museum. And for the most part, I want to make sure I'm there because I actually want to get some exercise in for the week. Lightsaber fights? Yeah. Like we, we fight with 
proper lightsabers that can like you hit people with. Oh, wait, is it like a weekly thing? Yeah. Wednesday nights? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so fun. Genuinely. Yeah, because yeah, we, we bring in so like like many different people from many different backgrounds. Right. Like in the sense that we've got, I think, two or three people who are like fencing backgrounds, oh. uh, a couple of people who are um HEMA backgrounds yeah. as well. So like yeah, and then just a bunch of enthusiasts and like people who just love to do these sorts of blade sports without the brutality of it yeah. i would say yeah and yeah it's super fun yeah genuinely super fun yeah. what do you use for that so uh we have like proper lightsabers okay. that will actually like light up and all that there are actually rules behind like uh you know igniting the lightsaber and making sure that uh you know the blade stays on while you fight because okay. otherwise if it goes off You've turned it off. You, you, you turned it off. Yeah. You're, you're kind of dead, uh, <laughs> theoretically. Yeah. But um, yeah, like, I mean, I've, I've started getting a bit more into the sort of, um, I, I want to say administrative kind of thing, but it's more judging. Like, okay. um, I, I kind of prefer to be on the sidelines watching the fights and like picking out details. But I do also love my fights as well. Mm. Yeah. So did you organize that as well? No, I don't. Okay. No. But uh, it is something I go to regularly. Right. Yeah. Damn. So is it like 1v1 kind of situation? I'm just trying to picture like what goes on there. We've, you know? we've had people like go 3v1. 3v1. Yeah, genuinely. Because like you've, you've got one guy doing the like the Darth Maul dual lightsabers. Yeah. And you've got three guys on him just like, I'm coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so fun. It's genuinely so fun to watch because you see the, you see the guy and he's like spinning his like blade staff which is what we call it mm. and like he's deflecting all three guys at the same time mm. it's like what <laughs> yeah yeah that's crazy so is there like winners and losers like because there's a judge right so yeah. you judge like yeah i mean uh we've only just started to sort of get into more professional like organized play yeah um i th i guess you would call it um only because we're now like the group that i'm doing it with uh we're now officially recognized by an international uh, sort of, I don't really know how you explain it. It's council of Jedi. Council. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An international council um, that allow for organized tournament play. Wow. So, uh, wow. yeah. So like me and like a couple of other guys in that group, we've started to like read through rules. We've uh, like, okay. you know, figured out different, like, uh, I guess, uh, what is it we've, we've figured out all the different like things you need to know about uh blade lengths and mm. uh like you know what is like what's legal what isn't uh you know boundary sizing and all that so there are like pretty substantial rules i like the rule book that i'm using is about 88 pages long wow yeah, yeah. 88 pages 11 sections yeah so it's it's a lot to read through that is a lot yeah but uh if it means that you know auckland as a city can actually start to hold these kinds of more official events yeah then hey i'm all down for it yeah yeah how did you get into it are you a fan of star wars or not the biggest fan of star wars okay but um my friend was like hey do you want to come to these lightsaber nights we do fights and all that sort of stuff and it's like mm. 
I'm keen to check it out. <laughs> but like from, it was like sort of from a photographer's perspective. Yes. Like, cause I know lightsabers are always like a really great tool for like uh, doing light painting. Okay. Um, but then I saw the fights and I tried out a bunch of different sabers that people had like given me to like try out. Oh. And I'm like, whoa, this feels so good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but there's just, there's just this like adrenaline that kind of rushes over when you see like somebody coming at you with like a lightsaber, just like, I'm going to get you. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but like, it's, it's really fun. Yeah. yeah. Sounds yeah. exciting. Do you get hurt? Do people get hurt? You, okay. The, in terms of like pain scale, mm. it's like being shot with a airsoft rifle. That sounds hurt. That sounds painful. Yeah, it's not the, it's not the worst pain. Okay. But like, um, it, it does oh. get pretty painful. Yeah. 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 Oh. I mean, we have rules in place to be like no face shots, no cheap shots, mm. uh, nothing under the belt essentially. Yeah. Or well, nothing under the belt, but you can't hit the legs. Yeah. Um, but you know, things will slip things will happen happen, accidents happen exactly yeah like we've had uh like the most common one actually is getting hit on the knuckles okay um but we have precautions in place for that Mm. like people are supposed to wear gloves uh if you know if it does sting we have things like ice sprays and stuff that we have on site to make sure that at least we can take the pain away yeah for the most part um but then if it gets really serious then you know there's always a you know, a call to the ambulance or the call to an A&E. It's like, close to the hospital. Yeah, pretty close. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Probably we, walk to the hospital. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if worst comes to worst, like we have precautions in place. Yeah. Do people dress up for that? Sometimes. Not all the time. Mm. But sometimes. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, we have a lot of, we have a lot of people who are cosplayers as well or LARPers as well. And LARPers? the uh, live action role play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of people who do either one of the two mm. and like they're always well not always but like uh, every so often they'll come in in a costume just so that they can test it out whilst they're fighting yeah. and make sure that uh. there's the like sort of i guess structural durability of the actual costume so that if they bring it to something like armageddon or like another convention then they can comfortably do the moves that they want to do mm. with their costume on yeah yeah yeah, I think we do have like a couple of um, people who dress up as Jedi's and stuff uh, for conventions. So whenever they get the chance to, or whenever they feel up to it, they will come in costume to like make sure that everything is still, you know, feeling how it should feel. Yeah, yeah, for them. So that like when they get back into um, the the convention season and go back in to Armageddon and stuff in costume, it's like okay, I know what I can do. If somebody wanted to like fight me today, I could, mm. yeah, and make it obviously a show spectacle. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So people take it seriously, right? Like the cosplay and things. I like. Oh yeah. Like it was my first time going to Armageddon this year, mm. and it was really cool seeing how many people took it seriously. Oh, hundred percent. Like, um, I have I have a lot of friends who are full-on like seamstresses yeah but they specialize in costuming that's sick so like to see the work that they put in with um with everything that they do it's like whoa there's a lot of details in here that like i did not realize from right from the start Mm. yeah yeah and it's like especially 
um, like especially the like my friends who do mostly like ball gowns and stuff. Okay. Um, obviously based on specific characters and all that. It's like the the stitching here is like actually really clean and just like you you, you start to look at these details up up close and it's like wow I didn't even think you could use that in that way. <laughs> yeah. Are you into clothing? I would say so. Yeah. I'm very much like uh trying to always up my fashion game. I would say as a person. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have a like surprisingly people think that I'm a very normal person, but like wait till you go into my room and see the 33 sneakers i have 30 i saw your sambas uh on the at the iconic celebrations yeah, yeah, i saw yeah. your sambas i yeah. noticed i those. mean i i walked in here wearing dunks yeah i saw so, yeah, like, i saw your dunks yeah um but i have like I, I have a pretty reasonable like sneaker collection i would say right yeah like for 33 sneakers it's not the most but at least for the ones that i do have they're pretty up there mm. yeah so what's your um some of your treasures um i would say so i think for one which i i would actually put into a group it's actually my uh my collection of yeezys yeezys sure the only reason because uh i got all of them at retail price really yeah none of them none of my yeezys like not even like one of them yeah were resale really yep i won all of them at loaded raffles which is like really crazy to think so that like that i think is like the main group mm. of like sneakers that are sort of like my treasured sneakers um and then i think like one of the other ones isn't really a sneaker but like is is a shoe that i absolutely love is uh my pair of arm william boots oh yeah is it comfort craftsman no the or... yearling the yearling okay so it's oh, a it's a sure. cuban heel boot yes it's a high heeled boots right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, interesting i i wore those for uh with a really nice like forest green like suit okay uh, okay for a ball that i had organized sure. for, okay. for me to design school yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and like Damn. i will okay. admit it was it was a really good like it was a really good selection of clothing i okay. will admit but um even now i kind of just wear them almost like normal boots mm. in a way kind of just as a like as a thing to help with like my posture and stuff because i do tend to slouch a lot so yeah. every so often i'll just like whip out the boots and be like okay i need to make sure that i'm up straight i'm like in this kind of posture my walk is correct and like not all flimsy and like inwards or outwards or whatever yeah it's a really good just sort of i guess um you know posture resetting tool in a yeah. way for me yeah what color is it it's just a standard like black smooth leather okay yeah 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 no that's sick but yeah it's it's surprisingly very versatile to, like especially for like the silhouette that it is mm. but it works for quite a lot of things considering it's black yeah so oh, can yeah. you tilt your mic microphone up then? Uh, yeah there we go yeah yeah, yeah. that's better but yeah mm. um it's it's been good yeah mm, like it's it's sick. it's a great investment i will admit aaron williams yeah yeah i've been seriously looking at aaron williams mm. um i've been wanting some boots i've been searching for months now yeah a lot of people recommend aaron williams comfort craftsman 100 percent. i mm. would definitely recommend them if i had the money again i would definitely buy a 
uh, another set of comfort craftsmen. Yeah. I would say. So yeah. have you got a comfort craftsman? No, I don't. Mm. So the the current boots that I have are um a pair of like I think it's 1461 Doc Martens. Okay. Or 1460 Doc Martens. Okay. And those Yearling boots. Those are my only two boots that I have and like I mean I I would say for both like brands I would definitely buy another pair of those boots uh like from either one of the two mm. but it will take me a it will take a very very specific situation to buy them <laughs> do you I mean like say. like in terms of occasion occasion but also silhouette like silhouette, if it's a yeah. if it's something that I genuinely want mm. like a like a new silhouette's come out I would definitely buy them again um or unless it's like uh I'm feeling uncomfortable with them and I need to get rid of them and buy a new pair yeah. I'd say yeah like I'm kind of considering that with my Doc Martens at the moment because like I bought them a size too small ah. but like I'm it's not like in a bad way where it's like it's really small yeah it's just that my toes get kind of crushed <laughs> would you go one size up or half a size up I would just go back to my true size honestly mm. yeah so like I'm a I'm a size 11.5 US uh US US 11. yeah wow so yeah. like very uh like very common size unfortunately wow right 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 but 11.5 is pretty big though right yeah, I, would say, I would say so I know friends who are like size 13 yeah or something like that that's huge so yeah. huge but um yeah I mean I bought my pair in like a size 10 mm. and yeah the only thing really is just that they, they kind of crush my toes a little bit yeah but yeah it gets to a point in the day if i'm wearing them the entire day where it's like i don't think i could wear these anymore yeah <laughs> yeah they're just they're just too uncomfortable right but you know yeah doc martin's 1460 did you say i think it was the 1460 what, what's that like uh it's a it's a high top okay boot, uh lace up um, kind of almost like a military boot in a way, but not really. It's the it's the one that you typically see a lot of people wearing the mm. like the high top black Doc Martin. Yeah, yeah. I think I can picture it because I think I had seventeen sixty two, which is like the Chelsea boot. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah Chelsea yeah, yeah, yeah. boot, and yeah, yeah. I think in terms of Chelsea boots, I would definitely go for Arm Williams mm. or Blundstone. Bl I've heard I've got a Blundstone actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, it's it's uh both made in actually Blundstone is not made in Australia. It's designed or something in Australia, but it's made um they started they used to make it in Australia, but they now ship um get it from overseas somewhere. Oh yeah. 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 No surprises. But mm. you know, uh the boots are always a really good investment, I think. Yeah. Um for just any wardrobe, I think. Uh just because, you know, especially for what they've sort of made themselves out to be they last quite a long time mm, i would say yeah i think i remember listening to some video when i was like researching into docs to like see whether they're worth the worth the purchase and i think they said it was like as long as you're maintaining them well and you keep up the routine of like uh cleaning them adding new like um balm to like make sure that the leather is soft yeah. and supple they can last up to like 10 years yeah which is great. It's a long time. Yeah, it's, it's a long like, time. It's great. So, like, that's kind of the consideration I've taken into buying boots now. It, whenever I get the chance to. Yes. But at the moment, I've kind of just put a freeze on buying sneakers because I've just got way too much. <laughs> I've just got way too much. <laughs> so, do you mean like no sh shoe wear, no footwear for for now? Well, I mean, uh, I I've sort of like not. It's not really a case of uh like no more like that's it. Okay. But like um. 
I've definitely reduced the amount that I purchase within a year. Right. I would say like literally this year I've only purchased the Sambas and like maybe two other shoes. Mm. And, but like from like maybe like two years ago, even I was buying like five or six sneakers in a year. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably like the bulk of my, like my collection was just buying those like five or six sneakers in a year. And Mm. I was like, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) How do you find them usually? Do you see like a picture online? You're like, these are sick and you get them or do you go shopping? At the moment, uh, kind of the thing for me is actually looking at TikTok trends, I would say, Uh, which I know very, very bad practice to do at Mm. the moment because like you start going back into sort of norm core uh, fashion, Mm. which is not my favorite but it's at least versatile and like you know it's trustworthy yeah but um it's you know finding the sneakers that i definitely love stuff stuff like the sambas Mm. but then adapting the style in a way that i feel comfortable wearing because i i always like to think that when it comes to fashion my two main aesthetics or main three aesthetics i should say is soft boy which is kind of like you know um varsity sweaters with like the collared shirt yeah and like jeans with like you know like fairly large like dad shoes or something like that yes um then it takes a 180 to go to tech wear okay uh where i've got like uh, i've got a reasonable size of like tech wear stuff but it's obviously really expensive to get into yeah what, um, what tech wear stuff have you got i've got a pair of pants that um cost me like i think it was like 200 bucks i think okay which is like the cheapest thing that i have but they've yeah. got like uh fidlock load bearing like straps they've they're like 100 percent waterproof mm. uh, they've got a changing silhouette they've got hidden pockets everywhere yeah um and all that and then i've also got like a uh a, a sort of like a you know shirt like a collar shirt like this but again 100 waterproof it was handmade in wow. i think it was actually handmade in malaysia even which is the home country i'm from oh yeah um uh, by a Kiwi guy, which really? is really Where'd you get them? Uh, so I, so I mentioned this in Iconics podcast as well, but, mm. um, I am somewhat, uh, acquaintances with, uh, Malawan and Cyrus who are both amazing graphic designers mm. or they've at least turned their brand into a graphic design agency. Yeah. Um, but, uh, they ran a store called platform platform um which was uh located actually near my area near the uh the old mount eden train station which i think is about to finish up now um but they used to import a lot of uh like i would say really expensive but very versatile pieces from a lot of brands that i didn't know on until until that point Mm -hmm. until i got uh, i I started to know them Mm. um so a lot of the pieces that I actually do have are from these brands, including the shirt that I got, which is actually from a brand called Garuda. Right. Um, and yeah, like uh, the whole shtick with that brand is they use uh, a, I think it's a, it's a material called shawl. And essentially what it is, is a Swiss um, kind of textile, but it's very stretchable. And it has a lot of these really, uh, really just, I guess, um sort of flexible qualities okay but also very water resistant right like if you try to pour a glass of water on it it just beads off yeah yeah it's crazy and there's no there's no like um there's no like coatings or anything yeah it's just 
the fabric the and fabric. how tightly knitted it is. Is it like a natural fabric or I think it's a plastic? I think it's like a plastic. Yeah, like a like a polymer kind of thing. Mm. But um, yeah, it's like so tightly weaved that it's like just water completely beads off it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like the, I've got a couple of pieces from like that are like techwear like ish. Um, but I think the the third one mm. that I I also need to mention is workwear. Workwear. Like I do a lot of just like Carhartt. I do a lot of Levi's. Yes. And like a lot of like these just more functional like bits that kind of go well together. Like uh, when it comes to workwear and that sort of like side of things, the one brand that I do go to a lot is Checks Downtown up yes. at Pitt Street. Yeah. Um, love those guys to bits. Mm. Genuinely love the guys to bits. And they they've put out a lot of different pieces that I absolutely love. Like I think. Um, I haven't bought the entire set yet, but uh, I've been wanting to buy their ripstop um, tailor uh, tailored like suit. Okay. And essentially, what it is, it's just like this really oversized um, sort of bra- like light brown khaki um, like blazer and a triple ple- uh, pleated pant, mm. which are both made of ripstop fabric. What's rip ripstop? Um, it's kind of like just a, it's like a plasticky sort of fabric. Again, very tightly knitted, yeah. uh, tightly weaved, and yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of the same stuff that you see a lot of, uh, a lot of like rain jackets actually made out of. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's really wow. like it's a really interesting sort of fit. Yeah. But also really interesting fabrics as well. Yeah. That is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know checks that suits kind of things they've they've recently brought it back but they used to do them like way back at, at like 2017 2018 where uh they created like a bunch of suits from like more wool i okay. think it was like more like thicker fabrics for like the winter seasons yeah 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 but um yeah they've only just recently gotten back into it with this one specific suit set that they've got Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, because I used to work around there. Because there's checks on Ponsonby Road, right? Uh, checks. So they used to be on High Street. Oh, sorry, K Road. Oh, yeah, the- they're in they're in K Road K and Pitt Road. Street now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But they used to be they used to be on High Street in the sort of basement store next to uh, Trainers. Okay. Yeah, but they sort of moved out. I think Trainers then bought the lease for that specific area, and then actually cut the wall out so that now they've got that large store uh dedicated all to them yeah 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 but yeah now they've got this like really nice storefront um if you if you do manage to go up there it's pretty much the uh the one store on the corner of uh the as color yes and it's the giant orange storefront yes yeah yeah so that's their store yeah and like it's a really nice space i i would have to admit so yeah. it's your favorite it's probably your favorite clothing brand Ah, uh, I would say so, or at least local clothing brand. Yes, yeah. okay. Yeah. I do have, I do have quite a few. Yeah, that I would love to buy from. Okay, but the only issue being is that just import prices and just prices in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what are some of the brands? Um, I think in terms of like international brands, I would say the one that I'm leaning most to is uh ALD Ame Leon Dor. Yeah, heck yeah. And I, I absolutely love like sort of like the stuff that they have from there mm. but it's just the prices man so expensive yeah and then i've also recently like this is going to sound a little bit pretentious but like 
one of the other brands that I've been really loving at the moment is Lueve. Oh, okay. Like, I've just been seeing all of their bags and stuff. Yeah. And, like, I've always, like, just wanted really nice bags. Yeah. Um, And I've always said this as, like, sort of one of my mantras when it comes to fashion that, like... When it comes to high fashion brands, stuff like Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Dior, Prada, the main thing I would want to invest to is actually their bags, mm. not the not the actual like clothing. Because if you've seen like Louis Vuitton and Gucci, especially recently, their clothing is terrible, and I'm I'm saying this from a personal bias. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bags. Like the bags are the like the classic quintessential pieces that yeah. come from those brands. Like those brands were built on, like especially Louis Vuitton, they were built on making bags mm. and cases and all those sorts of things. But the people just know them for clothing yeah. now, which is kind of a like sad <laughs> in all honesty. Yeah, yeah. So I would like if I had the chance to, then I would just invest in the bags. But yeah, hey, money's money. So, because <laughs> how how much do you have a like specific bag in mind? Um, especially for Lueve, it's um the puzzle bag. Puzzle bag. It's okay. like a very it's like a yay sized sort of handbag ish mm. kind of thing. But from what I've seen online, people have been able to fit quite a lot of stuff into it. Okay. So like even I think even for the larger sizes, I don't remember if they've got larger sizes, but um. There were even some setups where basically they fit an entire like 15 inch MacBook into mm. it, which is what I have at the moment. Yeah. I have a 14 inch like MacBook Pro that's like completely souped out. But being able to fit something like that into such a small package is great. Like that's what I would love to have just if I had the luxury to buy one. Would you buy secondhand? I wouldn't mind. Mm. Um, I mean, at least it means that it's, you know, it, it's had love gone into it. Um, it's not you know, fresh off the line and it's not so, you know, rigid, mm-hmm. I would say. It's actually had some time to kind of just mature a little bit um, before it kind of, you know, deteriorates. Yeah. yeah. You should look into that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I've, I've definitely looked into it, but at the same time with how the fashion market is currently with so many people trying to scalp off each other, mm. not worth it even, even still. Yeah. 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 Because like I even I even see like some of the most like you know standard shoes right like the Sambas especially when they first uh, when was it it was like the when the Wales Bonner um, original uh, Sambas came out mm. all the Sambas just skyrocketed in price because right. everybody was buying Sambas yeah but now they've kind of just dialed back a little bit yes and they've gotten back to that standard price I think yeah but yeah like you it's kind of a hard task to kind of manage like seeing what prices are going where and kind of just where the the prices are going to lean to mm. i would say yeah yeah it's tough it's tough it's something that you kind of have to keep an eye on like every day almost yeah for sure you know for sure yeah because one of my speaking of high fashion recently i've been getting into like fashion mm. and i've been looking more and more into like the designer clothing mm. and yeah, like, uh, since then, like, my philosophy on fashion and clothing has, like, completely changed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it, it's a lot of fun. But at the same time, like, I spend a lot of time on, like, 
because naturally, like I, I get into them and I start liking a couple of brands and I want pieces from there, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's like I definitely wouldn't buy it. You know, retail price. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And trying to get like a good deal on those. Yeah, like full time, full time thing. You know? Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, um, I even noticed your pants. Like, we have the same pants. Uh, oh, really? From Hallenstein's, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and good I, taste. I, <laughs> well, I mean, the thing being is that uh, I've always wanted the the original like Ise Miyake yes. Say pants, yeah. right? But you you find it and it's like, bro, why is the price so expensive? Yeah. Like, I understand for the construction, but like. At the same time, dude, it's so expensive. It's so expensive. How much would that be? Like, it's like definitely over K. I think it's one point two K. Yeah. Is there something? It's something, something like, like that, that, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, like, it's mainly because like one, Ise Miyake already is a pretty high fashion brand. Mm. Probably like a B tier brand. Mm. Like, if we're if we're putting everything into sort of consideration of the general market. Yeah. But like, on top of that, you've also got the hype of like so many different. Uh, content creators making like outfit videos with the on police pants when they were in their prime. Yeah. So, like to see Helen Science actually coming out with something like that is great. But at the same time, I don't like supporting them that much. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough because it is definitely a more affordable alternative. Yeah, for sure. But at what cost? You know. Oh, at yeah. what cost? Yeah, like um, I think I noticed even for like you know, have you seen the like Leisure Club um like hoodies that a lot of people are wearing currently? Nah, I probably would recognize it if I saw yeah. One. Yeah, so that's like another sort of I guess capsule that they've done at Helen Science, mm. and like it's pretty obvious that the cut, the design, the printing on it, very reminiscent, uh, rem- very reminiscent of Porter James Sports. Right. And I know the the guy who created that. And it's like to yeah. see to see like that design sort of take off at Hallen Science. Yeah. Sucks. It genuinely sucks. Yeah. Cause like I would much rather go to go to him, mm. buy stuff from Porter James Sports, and then rep that instead. Because, you know, I, I do like don't get me wrong, I love supporting Kiwi brands, but at the same time I can't support a brand that steals from other brands. And Porter James Sports is a Kiwi brand too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And same goes with Earl Collection, because Earl Collection was also started by the same guy. Right. Um, but that's gotten too big. Uh, well, that's gotten really big. He sold the brand, obviously. But then also Howland Science has gone like gone out of their way to also copy how they did their basketball shorts with yeah, like the text okay. right in the middle of the crotch. Right. And it's like it's a cheap alternative, but at the same mm. time, at what cost? I yeah. If anything, you know, like looking into this designer brands and kind of being more aware of like the fast fashion industry and things. Mm. I think I'd really get to appreciate like because designer clothing like these days it's associated a lot with like consumerism yeah right but I almost started thinking it's almost the opposite really yeah like that's what I started thinking I think you can definitely abuse it to the to the level of consumerism yeah but you can say that about fast fashion too you can say that about like you know, more affordable clothing like cotton on and Hallenstein's. Because if you are buying things because you can afford it and you can buy it, not because you love it. Yeah. I think that falls under consumerism. And same with like designer things. Like if you are buying it 
just because of the brand. Just because it's got Gucci written on it. Yeah. You know, like, maybe some people will love it and you buy it. I think that's, I don't think that's consumerism. Yeah. But I think you're buying that because, just because, you know, it's it's Gucci and you can show other people. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. So, you know, I don't, I, yeah. I think there would be consumerism. Too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I, I don't tend to buy because of the name. I tend to buy because... I know, like, I know the inventory that I have for my clothing. Yeah. And I know how I can style it in such a way that it feels like it fits with my sort of style. Yeah. And, like, it just so happens that, you know, it's probably something from Gucci. It's mm. probably something from Louis Vuitton. Yeah. But, like, I'm styling it in such a way where I feel comfortable wearing it, but also get to show it off in a way that isn't so like in your face mm. as well because like you see so many people walking around these days like they're wearing like balenciaga triple s's with like gucci track pants with like a louis vuitton shirt yeah or, or something like that you're mixing like all these different brands and it just looks so 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 textbook bad and it's just like there is no style to this yeah you're you're not putting the effort to make yourself look how you want to look and then like you go to go online and just like you see the guy doing you know essentially the same thing like and then leveling it up so that it actually looks good mm. and it's like that's what i want to see in people yeah that's how i want people to make themselves feel and i think even like i've i've started to like reach out to my friends being like you know what we should do is we should like plan a shopping trip for your partners and then drag them out so that we can style them. Right. Because, like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> just being around them, they just look like hobos. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, they're just throwing together stuff yeah. and it just doesn't look good. Like, I get it. It's probably comfortable. Yes. But at the same time, like, you're doing that even in public. You're not making yourself look presentable even mm. in public. And it it kind of not worries me, but it worries like sort of a secondhand worry where it's like their partner probably feels really embarrassed about the fact that they're standing next to them and they look really good, but they don't like their, their partner doesn't. Yeah. So it's kind of like get in loser, we're going shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is a world you can dress well, and be comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. You can do that. For sure. And I think it's important to dress to the occasion too. Not to say that... Yeah, I think there's a lot of stigma. You know one thing I find? There's a lot of stigma in clothing and spending... Like putting effort in clothing and putting effort in like what you wear and things. Yeah. Because a lot of people will say, Oh, you know, you're... There's stigma around, around it saying like, you know, you shouldn't care about what other people think. But yeah. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. I think... Sure, like some people would do do that, but I think there is more to that. I think there is a lot to say about like taking care of yourself. Yeah, for sure. You like know. you got to make yourself feel comfortable before you deal with your outward appearance, mm. I would say. Like um, I've had, for example, like I've had psoriasis for like maybe four or five years now. What's psoriasis? So that's what all these like sort of red patches on my body are. Mm. Uh, it's essentially like my immune system is uh, 
producing more skin than it should right and it starts to like peel in a really bad way it's a uh it's it's sort of in the same category as eczema but mm. worse because like i have it over my entire body right um but i've come to a point now where i'm like i can't be bothered i can't be bothered trying to treat this i might as well just let it run its course mm. and just live with it and like i'm very much happy with how i dress now and like you know sort of in a way wearing this proudly mm. saying that i have psoriasis i don't give two shits about it yeah <laughs> so like it's it's there and it's not like in ways it's comfortable not comfortable but i just have to live with it i can't really do too much about it and i kind of build build my sort of style around that to make sure that i am comfortable at any situation to mm. like have this essentially yeah yeah was it did it take work to do that not really it? it's a lot of just trial and error yeah really um just making sure that like hey i'm finding the right pieces that are you know of the right materials so that at least i feel comfortable in it uh the right shape so that at least i feel comfortable wearing it with my sure. body um and yeah just yeah it's really just trial and error just yeah. seeing what you like and just running with it if you feel comfortable with it yeah yeah for sure for sure man gotta say you're well you know at the iconic when i first saw you you're well dressed <laughs> I, I was like okay okay because i heard yeah. your podcast first and i heard you talk about checks and like things yeah and i was like i think he's into fashion and i saw you at the iconic celebration i'm like i can tell i can see with your sambas on you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. so what's uh, what's the outfit of the day dylan so uh i've got a pair of kentucky dunks that are downstairs obviously yep. um those were bought at retail <laughs> <laughs> uh a pair of i think it's levi's 505 and the light wash denim oh, uh that nice. i actually got from kilo on uh k road if you don't know what they are they're basically a vintage store that instead of like pricing their uh their like clothing individually mm. they do it by weight oh. so you would think that these cost like a hundred and something dollars yeah nah 45 45 45 yeah for a a really decent pair of jeans yeah. which i do need to actually uh do a bit of tailoring on okay but that's beside the point uh i've got a nice. an as color uh women's um ribbed singlet underneath okay. which like it it's great right it's it's a really good go-to piece oh. and then actually the shirt that i'm wearing is uh actually just a shirt from helen signs as well yeah yeah um so like for the most part like i'm comfortable with this why women's um so it's really interesting like the fit that i was trying to go for was kind of stick to skin but not really yeah um i basically wanted something that like would look slimming in but obviously with my body which like i've realized now that i'm getting a little bit you know side heavy now right <laughs> uh i wanted to make sure that like i could find something that could work for all situations uh, if I wanted to wear a singlet mm. um, and going to like, you know, the typical stores that you go to to find stuff like this, very hard to find, surprisingly. Mm. It's only just recently that a lot of people are starting to get into stuff like rib uh, ribbed singlets. Yeah. So when I first saw these actually on the women's rack at an AS Color, I was like, I kind of want to try that and see how I feel. Because mm. like another philosophy that I have is that clothing shouldn't have a gender that's true 
Although I I yeah. buy a lot of very masculine clothing, mm. clothing shouldn't be a gender. That's true. And like um even it's even present in like uh what is it the new Hunger Games film that just came out where um me and one of my other friends were picking apart a certain scene where it was the um, showing off the academy students uniform and what it is is like it's this really nice sort of two-piece suit uh in like a crimson color with like a blue a light blue mandarin collar shirt okay but the pants had a full pleated skirt on it as well mm. and this was both on the mask presenting and the femme presenting uh students so it was a all-round uh, uniform that was being worn on every student. Yeah. And it's like, this is what I mean by mm. fashion should not have a gender. Yeah. Because every one of those cast members look freaking amazing in it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, people should do this more. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, skirts are skirts. It's going to, it's going to like get some like... You, you're going to get some, like, stares at you. But, like, if you feel confident in it, rock it. For sure. Rock it. Like, there, there's a lot of history behind skirts. Obviously, kilts, punk rock, uh, grunge, just underground, essentially. Mm. But, like, skirts were being worn by both genders, like, throughout history. So, I don't see why, like, especially guys should be ashamed by wearing a skirt. Yeah. Like, it's something that our forefathers had actually worn in previous years, depending on which culture you come from. So, yeah, I don't see that much of a problem with it. But mm. coming back to it, it's like, uh, I was wanting, I, 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 I didn't really take it as like a women's piece at first, because when I saw it on, when I wore it, uh, the, the singlet, I was like, this fits really well. <laughs> like... I'm really tempted to just buy two of these and which I did. Yeah. I bought one in white and I bought one Heck in black. Yeah. Nice. And I was like, I was talking to the, I was talking to the clerk that I was uh, getting attended to. And I was like, you guys need to make this in like a men's fit as well. And they were like, huh, I don't think we actually thought about that. Mm. I didn't think that guys would actually buy this, but we've had like, a f like maybe two or three other people, uh, two or three other guys come in our, sh uh, our store this week buying this, specific single it's like yeah. really and you didn't think of it <laughs> <laughs> so hey like business ideas yeah and i mean like yeah here we are it's like yeah. now i'm wearing this pretty confidently even though it's hidden but it's you know if i wanted to you know rip the shirt open it's going to look good <laughs> yeah heck yeah yeah no no for sure like one of my realization this year was that oh shit like i can't actually buy shop at women's too mm. so i went to levi's to get a couple of 501s and i was shopping and then i was like wait hold up like there's like one one section of the shop which is like men's yeah and the other section is like women's but someone told me that women's trousers are a bit high they have a bit more higher waist yeah things and they said they can help with um making you appear a bit taller having like a bit longer legs and stuff yeah and you know what what i need so <laughs> i I, I, yeah. was, I was shopping at women's section and then there was my kind of like my first time shopping at women's section yeah and tried a couple of trousers from there i didn't end up buying them because um couldn't find one that fit me nicely right but since then i'm like that's when i realized whoa like 
I can shop at Women's Section too. Yeah. So when I go to like secondhand stores or any other shops that I like, I have a look at Women's Section. See if you know if, if I like anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like um, even even when like I was sort of proxy buying from like Uniqlo yeah. because I have so my parents like. Every so often, we'll go back to Malaysia to go and just deal with family things, mm. right? The standard sort of like family-oriented holiday. Um, if I wasn't going with them, I would ask them, "Hey, uh, I have a list for stuff that I want from Uniqlo. Nice. Can you get them for me?" Yes. Um, I would provide them the list, and I think uh, there was one year where my dad went by himself. And I asked him to buy me a pair of the wide pleated trousers oh, from the women's section. Yeah. Heck yeah. First pair that he brought back, yeah. which was the only pair he brought back. I tried them on the yeah. night that he got like got in uh, into the house. Perfect fit. That's so sick. Absolutely perfect fit. And it's so like sick. this is really good because like um they fit how I how I exactly thought that they were gonna yeah. fit. Um, and seeing them both on men and women on like say TikTok mm. and seeing how they style it and it's like this this is yeah this is great yeah. I love this yeah yeah do you still have that yeah I still wear them all the time oh, they're so sick yeah yeah and they're great they're absolutely yeah. great yeah and I just can't wait to really go back uh, wherever I can to a Uniqlo and like see if they've actually got more stuff in the women's section from there yeah because like it's surprising like how they haven't seen the market demand for like New Zealand, especially mm. like everybody, like, especially in like, I guess our generation are starting to realize that, you know, cotton on Hallenstein's H and M not the best quality. Nah, not at all. Yeah. And like, I, like I had, I had this weird superstition assumption situation that, the H&M that's currently on, like, uh, the Commercial Bay building. Yes. Uh, down by, like, the, the like, Britta Martin and all that. Mm. I thought that was going to be a Uniqlo. Right. I was so hoping it was going to be a Uniqlo. Yeah. But then, you know what? It's an H&M. There was, wasn't there a talk that Uniqlo was coming, but then it fell apart for something? Or am I thinking of the Hard Rock Cafe or something? I'm, I'm not too sure actually. Right. Yeah. But I'm so surprised. I'm so gutted and surprised that Uniqlo isn't here. Yeah. I mean, like they should start seeing the demand now, especially with how, like, I guess reasonably well Helen's uh, H and M is doing. Yeah. Uh, how well Costco's doing. Yeah. And like, I mean, next year we're expecting an IKEA. Yeah. So like, hey, if that takes off, that kind of that kind of should be in like you know, a sign for American and Japanese companies to be like, hey, hello, yeah. there's a demand here for, for your kind of brands. Like, bring them over, you know? Honestly, because when, when my friends go over to Australia, mm. they're always told, oh, like, when you're there, go shopping and go Uniqlo. Yeah, for sure. So demand is definitely there. And as, as far as fast fashion goes... I think Uniqlo is as good as it gets. Very much so. Yeah. Like I have I have a few of the like Uniqlo U just like standard white tees. Yes. And they're just so comfortable to wear in comparison to like an AS color t-shirt. Yeah. Like don't get me wrong, AS color is great, but you just can't go wrong with the the weight quality mm. of like a Uniqlo U t-shirt. Yeah. That it's like um I've always I've always said this that if I ever make the plans to go to a trip to Japan, yeah, empty suitcase. 
genuinely empty suitcase, bring a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. First stop, straight to Uniqlo. Uniqlo. <laughs> I'm buying every single piece of Uniqlo. Yeah, they would be sick. They would be so much fun. It would be. Yeah. But like the th- the reason that for that is that like. I would actually find genuine use out of it. Yeah. Like I like I'm gonna wear those pieces even after the trip because I know Uniqlo's quality is probably the best you can get mm. for the price yes. that you get. And like hell, I mean, even Japan just has a really good like economy when it comes to fashion because there's a lot of these sort of op shops, vintage shops and all that selling, you know, vintage sneakers, vintage uh high fashion clothing yeah. and all that. For actually reasonable prices that we don't have in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think because I've been getting into like designer fashion, like I was saying before, mm. and because I've been wanting to get it secondhand, I've been looking into like proxy. Yeah, and it's usually from Japan mm. because there's just more things available there, and therefore there are more people selling like products that I might want. For sure. And therefore, it's cheaper. Mm. Just because there's more stuff there. Yeah. 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 And. I think New Zealand, like, I think something that's equivalent that I found in New Zealand, something that's equivalent to that is Iron Williams. Yes. It's a lot cheaper here than compared to the US. Yeah. Or even Australia. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Even yeah. Australia. Yeah. Wow. Because here, like, you buy, like, com- like pair of comfort craftsmen's. Mm. And I think it's like seven fifty or something like that. Yeah, something around there. Yeah, I think in the US, I think it's like around thousand or even more than thousand or something. Yeah, yeah. They they consider that like a pretty up there brand when yeah. it comes to like that sort of workwear, like um, shoe. Mm. Yeah, but you see this everywhere here. Yeah, the the Aaron Williams. Yeah, it's because people know the quality and they trust the quality. Yeah. So like. I mean, it's not just about the brand and anymore. It's about the actual make and craft of the shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh sounds like it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I mean, coming back to even just Japan in general, right? Like, um, I would also just love to go there just to do photography. Yeah. Like I have so many photographer friends who, uh, who have gone to Japan for like cosplay events around Halloween, mm. and I think there was even like there's even a story about um. There's an event in, I think, Shibuya that uh, essentially they open up the streets for a couple nights yeah. and let cosplayers run wild. It's so sick. But the best part is, is that you have all of these really high quality photographers uh, also going to Shibuya sure. at the same time. And they're picking up these cosplayers. Yeah. Not weirdly at all, obviously. Yeah. But like getting these really cool photos of just their cosplays in like an urban setting and i'm like oh my god i just want to go that's so sick (laughs) yeah and just in general like i mean i i love uh like the in terms of the photography that i do in in auckland it's a lot of cosplay photography it's a lot of portraiture Mm. um those sorts of things but when i ever get whenever i get the chance to i also just love doing landscape photography right like I love just going out into the wild with a camera and just shooting photos mm-hmm. because I just love like it's the one aspect of like doing stuff like nature walks and stuff that I absolutely love. It's just bringing a camera with me, yeah, and just seeing what comes up and just taking photos of it, really. Mm. And like I feel like that's gonna be that would be the same thing for when I go to Japan if I ever go to Japan. It would just be taking my camera with me or even 
buying a new camera while I'm there. Yeah. And then just seeing what comes up and takes a, and taking a photo of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so sick. I've been to Japan once, mm. just for a week, so not long. But one of those countries, you can't take any photo anywhere. Yeah. Like even just like random side street just looks so aesthetic. I know. I don't understand yeah. why that is. Yeah. And like you, obviously we live in this shithole. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, taking it into consideration where it's like, you know, the the layout of Auckland is not... Uh, it, it doesn't work for that kind of photo that you see that comes out of like say Japan no, or, nah. or like or you know Europe or something like that. Mm. Like we don't have the aestheticness within like say the CBD that allows for that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. No, we we don't. Like I see way too many tourists these days, uh, especially now that it's cruise ship season. Like I see way too many tourists trying to do the same thing. Like, um, you know, the, the photo that you get once a year in like New York, where the, the sun as it does at sunset kind of lines up perfectly with like a New York strip. Okay. Yeah. Right. They try to do that with like Queen street. Right. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't it genuinely work. does not work. You're standing yeah. there. It smells like piss. <laughs> yeah. It smells like piss or weed yeah. or something like that. Someone's yelling at just, you. Get out the way, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's just like it just doesn't work mm. it genuinely doesn't work and like the the side streets are just too highly developed right. that it doesn't have that serene picturesque like back alley street that say japan has where yeah. like they are very tight-knit um alleyways that have like really pretty neon signs that you can do a long exposure with at night right um and it's just yeah th there's just no I want to say substance, mm. I think. I think is the best way to put it. There's no, like, substance with um, with Auckland. Like, you get the li the, the limelight and stuff, but there's, there's just no substance. Is it because it's fairly a young country? Maybe. So maybe... That, the, that might be the case. Yeah. Maybe, the, like, its own unique personality hasn't developed yet. Yeah. I think that might be the case. Know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even like Wellington has probably got more personality than Auckland. Yeah, for at sure. This at this point. That's for sure. Yeah. Like, um, I think when it comes to Auckland, like, what was it? I think one of the videos I've I've seen pop up every, like every so often, which I always remember is mm. the like top five things to do when you enter Auckland. <laughs> Number one, yeah. leave. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. genuinely, everybody just thinks like Auckland is the worst place to be. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, I mean, fair enough. <laughs> As a tourist, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend Auckland. No, I would not. Yeah, something, I mean, something like uh, Rotorua, Topo, yes. uh, Queenstown for sure. Yes, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like as a tourist, I mean, say I'm I'm visiting New Zealand just to travel mm. for the first time. I'll probably visit Auckland because it's one of the biggest cities. You're like, I gotta check this out. But yeah, where would I go? I mean, there's the museum. The art gallery, the mountains, know, the mountains, the Mount Eden and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's convenient living here, but visiting here and traveling around probably not the best place. Yeah, like I mean, we are kind of still in that housing crisis kind of mood at the moment, where it's like houses are extremely hard to purchase for our generation. Yeah, and like I mean, not to get too deep into it, but like I'm in like a really good spot where I am. And, like, I know for a fact that I'm going to inherit my house one day. Mm. So, like, I've, I've got a safe bet. 
But for people who are immigrating to New Zealand and trying to get a house here, you're going to have to go all the way out of Auckland to get a house yeah. at like a really decent price. Mm. And even then, a decent price there is probably like one mil still. Mm. And it's like, how are you supposed to manage that? <laughs> like, if, you've, if you're trying to get jobs in the CBD, you have to go all the way like one hour outside of Auckland. Yeah. Hell, two hours in rush hour traffic. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we're, like it's so hard to just, I guess, immigrate to New Zealand now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of adds to the whole thing of like uh, the whole photography thing where it's like with these new developments, especially it looks so plain and basic. Right. That like as Auckland grows bigger and starts to take over the entirety of the North Island at yeah. this point, like you're going to be seeing essentially the same thing over and over and over again for every single suburb. Mm. And it's going to be like, well, you're either going to be dealing with, you know, townhouses that look exactly the same all the way down the street yeah. or high rise buildings that are way too futuristic mm. than your mind can comprehend. Mm. Yeah. So what can you do? Just get out of Auckland. <laughs> Or AI edit the background. Oh my you know? god! Yeah. <laughs> just AI edit the background. Yeah, get rid of it. No, none of it. No. Cheaper option. But yeah, you know, it would be sick. I think I highly recommend Japan. You should go to Japan. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely on the bucket list for sure. I think Japan and actually going back to America are like my two big bucket list items. Right. Yeah, and then followed really closely behind by actually going to the UK. Yeah. Because the one thing that a lot of people kind of surprise, well, are surprised to learn about me is that I'm actually a 16th Scottish. Okay. Yeah. So 16th. So I'm, I'm thinking one generation. Okay. So it's two generations? Yeah. 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 So okay. like on my mother's side, uh, my grandfather, I think, is the most recent person to have passed away who was a majority Scottish. Right. So he was like, I think, more or less half and half like chinese scottish mm. um but we've traced i think like last couple of years or so we've traced back our sort of scottish lineage to apparently a very small town in like uh i think it's close to edinburgh um all of them are relatives okay of my of wow. my like scottish clan's lineage okay yeah so what's going on what's going on there a bit of a like I don't think it's. I don't think it's. I don't think it's what we think it is. Yeah. But like they, they, it's it's kind of just a like. I think it's kind of more the situation that like they've scattered for a bit, and then returned back to this sort of like home ground kind of mm. thing. Yeah. Because like the the far reaches of like the clan have like gone super far. Right. Right. Because my mother, uh, my mother's maiden name which I'm not going to reveal, mm. uh, is a very like common last name, at least from what I've seen. Yeah. So there are a lot of people with the same last name, which we're assuming is probably because they have the same lineage with that clan, but some more than others. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like there is a surprisingly small population within that town that are the Chinese Scottish heritage. Yeah. So that's probably where we came from. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Oh, you have to visit then. For sure. Yeah. For See sure. It's like there. Yeah. There's we have a lot of places we want to go. We just haven't had the time nor the availability. Yeah. Yeah. Is it when you say we is it you and your family? Yeah, family. Yeah, because yeah, I remember my my mother really wanted to take my grandmother uh to Scotland to meet with her 
uh, her sisters and her relatives. Mm. But unfortunately, she passed away uh, in the last two years. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's it's been a little bit hard in that sense. But I think my parents are still kind of like vying for the fact that they at least want to take me there. Yeah. 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 But the, there's just too much going on at the moment. Plus at the fact of like, uh, we always have to go back to Malaysia at some point every year. Mm. So, yeah, there's there's quite a bit going on, if anything. Yeah. It's always the struggle of finding time, you know, and availability, yeah. like you said. Yeah. Like people working and it's not easy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it doesn't help with the fact that I'm very much a jack of all trades. So I've got my hands in like so many different projects yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. And before... Um, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, Dylan. Yeah. But before that, talking about outfit of the day, mm. we should also shout out Iconic Chaos, the hat you're wearing. Yeah, for sure. I It's funny. I now have two of them. Okay. I have two of these exact same hats. Oh, it's like same color? Yeah. Same okay. color, same, ca- same everything. Yeah. The only difference being that one of them is signed by all these different content creators, which oh. I should have brought with me, this but so... I was in a rush this morning. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, I've got it signed by like so many of my friends or so many creators who have now become my friends and who I absolutely adore and admire so much Mm. being in their presence and stuff because all of them like uh, all of them just make me want to strive for something greater than myself. Okay. Not in the sense of like, you know, I'm going to join the army, but like, you know, I want to I want to become another sort of person for the people. I would say, and like um, become one of those people that you can rely on for uh, whatever content I do. Mm. That is, yeah. But like, I've got it signed by so many people, and it's starting to fill up, which is really funny. That's cool. So it looks insane. But when I went to Iconic's place to go do his podcast, yeah. I was like, since I'm here, I kind of want to get another one of these hats because. <laughs> Honestly, when I wore it at Armageddon, oh my god, did I feel good in it. It's a sick hat. It's a really nice hat. I love the color. It's off-white, right? It's not quite white, right? Yeah, it's like kind of a, a creamish. Creamy, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, like that. Kind of color. Yeah, but I absolutely love this hat. Like, yeah. I, like, it, whenever you see me in a hat, it's like either this hat or it's a Porter James sports hat. Mm. It's either one of the two nothing else yeah yeah and to think i have like so many other hats as well but like even then even then it's kind of like i'm just gonna go back to this one thing yeah man yeah nah, it, it suits you it suits you yeah yeah like i'm i'm very surprised at how good it looked which is exactly why i wanted to get another one do you usually go for like that kind of trucker head style so uh not really it's only been a recent thing mm. like seeing what with this hat especially um i'm very much either no hat or a beanie yeah but um obviously beanies are kind of just one season specific yes or in our case three season specific yeah (laughs) so like to now have this open option to like have a hat is nice at least yeah it's a it's a like not really a big change for me because it's just another piece of clothing but people whenever i wear it around them it's like you're wearing a hat this is weird it's like (laughs) It's not that weird. It's just a hat. It's the hat. <laughs> it's just a hat. <laughs> Come on, people. You know, yeah. experimentation. You know, yeah. different styles. You know. Yeah. 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 No, nah, that's a sick hat. Okay, let's get into this segment. Right. 
Dylan. Yeah. But um, before that, um, I'm just going to take a quick break so I can go to the toilet. Yeah. Cool. We're cool. back. Hello. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. So, 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 Dylan. Yeah. I mean, I've been asking you a lot of, a lot of questions, but I've got this section called cow questions where we ask just kind of more of a random question. It's basically like ex- giving myself an excuse to ask just random questions out of context to okay. the guests. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've got 10 questions here. Okay. And it's something like this. So question number one, what is the smallest thing for which you are grateful for? Oh, the smallest thing that I'm most grateful for. Um, I guess it's honestly my, <laughs> it's as good, this is going to sound so stupid, <laughs> but, uh, my mental stability. Yeah. Because like considering that I dip my toes into so many different projects and so many different avenues of life, like I'm surprised that I'm still staying, uh, still sane <laughs> after all of it. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how I'm managing it, yeah. but something in my brain is like turning the cogs constantly and it's like it's just working mm. in a in a way that i'm like i can handle this this is fine like yeah it's it's okay <laughs> what do you think it is your upbringing it might i don't think it's my upbringing but also at the same time i do think it is like okay. it's kind of a hard thing to really place my place the roots into mm. because like you know, there, there's there's so many factors that could have possibly gone into it. Like, yeah, my upbringing. It could be um, how, like, how I guess not really isolationist I am, but like how I guess um, how well I've done sort of just managing myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like that there's a bunch of different avenues that could have contributed to this that have sort of turned it into a sort of lifestyle that i can actually handle even though that like you know it looks like i'm doing a lot like a lot of people really do like do tell me like man you're doing a lot and it's true yeah it is a lot but hey i mean it's working for me yeah. so yeah 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 no for sure um i was gonna get into another question but let's come back to that yeah um question number two what's the most selfish thing you've done selfish thing selfish thing I actually don't like it's very hard to sort of put my like sort of thought into that because I don't really think a lot of my actions that I've done have really been selfish. Mm. Um they've always been sort of like for the greater good in a way. Like um yeah, like it, it's kind of it's really hard to like place a specific anecdote to it. Yeah. Um but I know for a fact that they're like, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think I've done this, uh, in a place of malice or in a place of, uh, self, like just self, mm. I guess. Um, but I know that down the line, something will come back to me and be like, because you've done this action, I have to, you know, thank you for this, or I have to, you know, do whatever for this. And it's like, take it as I please. All yeah. right. Sweet. Easy. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of your almost like a way of your life then. Like I would say so, yeah. 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 Like it's yeah. It's something that I've always kind of just leaned towards as like a if something were to come, it comes. Yeah. Um and it shouldn't be something that I should right. stray away from a certain path to do. I see. Which I guess kind of falls into the idea of like, yeah, 
not many of the actions that I've done that I can remember off the top of my head have been for a selfish reason. Mm. Reason. Um, they've always been for some other ulterior motive that kind of goes down that path that I've always wanted to track. Yeah. 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 Kind of, well, I don't know. It's like, um, uh, there's a specific quote that I'm thinking of from, from Loki mm. actually. Um, almost like, uh, it was probably something to do with like Ouroboros or something like that. Okay. But like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, there's a path that you're meant to take and you shouldn't really stray from that path, but no matter what actions you do, we'll always come back to that path. Mm. Like no matter what you do, when you do it or how you do it, you're always going to come back to that sacred timeline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. And do you actively believe in that? Um, very much so. I would yeah. say it's, it's one of those like sort of, things that i always keep and like keep at the like the forefront of my thoughts most of the time do you think things are meant to happen then things that happen yes but i would also say i don't have that much of a belief in karma either okay because it's like one of those things where it's like karma is karma it's like things are going to happen depending on your actions but at the same time like there's a lot of things that you should also not expect to happen. Right. Like it's sort of a, yeah, like karma is a thing, but also expect the unexpected because you never know what's going to happen from the causality of your actions. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would say that that is a big part in how I sort of like run life in a way. Yeah. Do you think all our stories are already written and it's just playing it out now? There, there is part of me that does think that, but at the same time, I also think that you need to have some breathing room to like really, uh, you know, edit your own story as well. Yeah, and uh, find a way to sort of not think of it as such a like, I must go down this path, but sort of a, I should go down this path, but if there's a better solution to get like to get to a certain like point b mm. i should take it right yeah maybe you saying that is also written you never know that's <laughs> the thing that's the thing <laughs> maybe we're part of just part of like someone's dnd character maybe we're part of just someone's imagination you never know that if right. like if the if the moon landing was real and actually when you go out to space <laughs> it's just like five different guys like rolling dice on the table yeah you know yeah yeah and someone's built all this world it's like it's like i'm not i'm not religious but like uh maybe it's just like maybe the gods are literally just five just sweaty old <laughs> men who are just rolling dice on a table being like ah, ah that's a that's a critical yeah. what, what does that do what does that do <laughs> just having a drink exactly yeah exactly having a yeah. drink yeah maybe maybe there is a god out there but the god mm. is actually just a dungeon master <laughs> <laughs> and the sun is like because, you know, the sun will eventually run out of its power and energy, right? Yeah. And maybe that's just, damn, end of the session. That's just, that's just the cataclysm. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that, that's just the cataclysm arc of the campaign. Right. <laughs> I mean, it could be. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a deep question. But, you never know. But at the same time, what, does that make a difference? You know? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe Who it knows? doesn't. Yeah. Um, if you, I mean, it's kind of similar 
kind of related question number three if you could live in a in any fictional world where would it be and why this is a really good question actually oh, thank you because like uh i actually have this almost the exact same question that i have on my discord server ah. um whenever i get whenever new people join the server i always appreciate if they do an introduction in one of my channels and uh one of the questions that I've posed as part of the template for this introduction is if you got isekai into another world, what would that be? Mm. Um, my answer to that was the world of destiny two, one of my favorite games of all time, mm. even though it's got such a bad rap at the moment for, for the game. Um, but the reason that for that is because like the world is similar in the sense that it's very much earth, but, it's also gotten to a technological point where, uh, like, you know, you can do things that were not imaginable even in this world. Like the fact that you've got floating AI that will revive you from the dead. Uh, weapons have these really cool, intricate designs and stuff. But also just like, you know, you can shoot for the stars quite literally. Yeah. And like... Uh, it wouldn't have any weird backlash on you. Yeah. Yeah. So Destiny 2 would be... I would say so, yeah. Is it kind of a... When I think of Destiny, I haven't played it, but when it, from the footages I've seen, I think of more dystopian, kind of futuristic... Yeah, yeah. Mm. That, that's probably the best, like, sort of thematic angle you could go for, Yeah, I would say, with Destiny 2, because it is very much dystopian, but very much, like, post... Like, post-cataclysm kind of thing right. yeah like post big event uh that will shape the the world as you know it kind of thing mm. yeah if you live there wouldn't it be kind of depressing to live there in a way but i feel like you know with every world there is a purpose yeah i think and if the purpose there is to fight aliens and you know uh loot you know loot these big bad guys just to turn them into like really <laughs> stupid weapons i'm all down for it <laughs> yeah yeah sounds good sounds good. oh put your marks a bit closer yeah yeah, yeah. oh you, you could sit back and pull i it, could pull i it. could yeah yeah up, yeah up to you it should be right um number question four what about yourself is completely different from what you were like 10 years ago oh wow oh that's that's a oh that's a good one I very like very generalized answer, but I think it would be my personality. Okay. I was quite, uh, I was quite the, I, I was still quite the energetic kid, but I think the big thing about it is that I've grown to become a little bit more humble now. Okay. Like I've sort of draw myself back, uh, in certain elements of how I talk and how I, uh, how I speak and how I do things. But, back in the day i was very just like hyper 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 like you couldn't stop me if i was springing across the room yeah right but now i i can just sit i can relax well relax as much as i can yeah and just be in the moment mm. whereas uh like back then i was always like just jumping around the room and like i couldn't sit still yeah yeah do you think your brain is very hyperactive like always thinking about something i would say so yeah like i i, I want to say that i've got a self-diagnosed adhd right but at the same time i can't really prove that like i don't have every symptom 
but I also have some symptoms at some points and it's kind of like a fluctuating kind of thing not to the point where I say have like DID mm. or something but like I know for a fact that it's like I have these traits that are you know symptoms of ADHD but I can't necessarily prove it because they don't come up all the time yeah yeah so yeah I feel like that's probably a big thing where I've started to like tame that side of me that has become the super hyperactive person that I used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Do you struggle sleeping at night? Because I know some people, you know, when they think too much, it's harder, hard for them to sleep. Surprisingly not. (laughs) Really? (laughs) That's, that's like one of like, that's exactly like one of the, like the situations that I'm at where it's like, uh, you know, if people struggle to sleep because they keep constantly thinking, yeah, I'm now like, as soon as I hit my bed, well, hit my face to the pillow, mm. gone. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a great skill to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I will, I will say as well, at like when I was younger, that was exactly the case. Yeah. I could not sleep at night because I had so many thoughts running rampant in my brain. I still have those same thoughts, mm. but I've managed to tame them so much that like, now i can just go straight to sleep yeah yeah and i have absolutely zero problems okay yeah yeah that's good to hear yeah that's good to hear yeah um question number five if you died today what would be your biggest regret oh biggest regret um i would probably say like I would actually probably say not exploring the opportunities that I have as much as I have already done. Because I would say that there are certain avenues where I have explored a lot of different opportunities, Mm. but there's a lot that I've also been wanting to explore, which I haven't had the time to. Okay. And if I had the chance to explore them, I would. Do you have an example of that? Um, I would... Not really, actually, mm. but at the same time, it's kind of a, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, there, like there'll be days where I do think of these certain avenues or like these certain things, and I'm like, man, I wish I had the time to do this. But anyway, I need to get back to work. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah. like, th- I just wish I had the time to really dive into these ideas that I feel that I have, but. Just with how many things that I'm doing at the moment, yeah. it's kind of like, I just don't have the time. That's the constant struggle with jack of all trades people. Yeah. You know, they yeah. want to, I mean, I think that's me as well. Like I want to do more things mm. like D&D, for example, like if I had more time, you know, if I had like 40 hours in the world in, in every day, in a day, yeah, like it would be some, something that would be cool to do, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Even like, even for D&D, like there's a lot of different uh, things that I would love to, I guess, experience with it as well. Like one of the many sort of job avenues I've taken into consideration is actually becoming a full-time DM Yeah. so that I can push away all the other things that I have. And then like throughout the week, focus on like creating, like creating battle maps, creating content. And then one day a week come together with my group that I play with, mm. run it and have a flawless session yeah but will i ever have the time to do that 
will it is it like a viable market to be in who knows at the moment yeah at least. yeah you I'm, i guess you'd have to create your own avenue right yes yeah especially with that kind of thing yeah yeah i don't know but like you seem you're obviously really passionate about it mm. you've been doing it for a long time too yeah so it's it's a possible option yeah yeah doesn't seem too far-fetched no not at all yeah yeah that would be awesome i would love to see that yeah i mean you'll be are, are there full-time dms yeah there yeah. are wow i mean if uh when you go to Armageddon now, there's a section called Questbook. Okay. And essentially, it's a service of full-time DMs who will run campaigns for you for a price. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, uh, they had... This is this was a, this was actually an example from uh, the winter Armageddon earlier in the year. Mm. Uh, they had a time trial um, session called um, Vecna Must Die. Okay. Essentially, it was a dungeon crawl... Uh, of whoever could defeat Vecna the fastest. Right. Um, wow. One guy, literally one guy, managed to do it in 10 minutes. Really? Yep. <laughs> Just one person? Yep. And you know how he did it? How? Five character sheets. What does that mean? So he had he was playing five he characters at the five... same time. Really? Yep. DM was sitting on one side, he was sitting on the other side, yeah. and he had all five character sheets laid out. Yeah, yeah. He looked through every single one of them, glazed over them wow. even, and was like... Three, two, one, go. Yeah. Okay, this character's going to do this. This right. character's going to do this. This character's going to do this. This, yeah, this, yeah. this, this. And it's like... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Speed like the, run. Yeah. The DMs were like so surprised at how he was running it. Yeah. And he only glazed over wow. the, the actual things. Because like, um, I think I had a small chance to talk with him a little bit. And... Uh, what he said was, is like, as soon as I read the class mm. and the level, I knew exactly how to do things. So my guy must be experienced as. Yeah. 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 But what he did say was, is that um, if he was, if he were to win, which he did, mm. um, it wouldn't just be a campaign just for him or at least a one shot just for him. Because mm. the prize was he, uh, the DMs that were running it would actually come over to your house and do a session for free. Yeah, yeah. Or like do a mini campaign for free. Yeah. And he was like, "I, I obviously I'm going to bring my friends over. <laughs> like I cannot do that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was painful to run, but it was so fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's sick. That's but sick. yeah, there, there are there is a small market, but it's again very small. Mm. So. Unless you were to make an extra living out of it, like say making content, like a live yes. show, then yeah, you wouldn't really be able to get any profit out of it, really. Yeah. 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 I mean, these days, I feel like you can make money out of anything and it's oh, yeah. just a way of doing it. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, on TikTok, for example, like there's this guy who makes the lawn mowing videos. Lawn mowing videos? Have you seen those? No. So th I don't know if it's on TikTok because I don't have TikTok, but I see it on like Instagram or YouTube shorts. Right. And yeah. this guy... He's a lawnmower, goes around houses doing lawn mowing. Oh. And then he started filming himself doing that. Yeah. And a lot of, and you know, obviously like fast forward and stuff. And a lot of people found it super satisfying. So he started getting like fans. And then now he just goes around and sees like people with like houses with gardens that hasn't been 
taken care of wow. and they just knock on people oh could i do this for free and i just get to film it and he he, he films people's reactions and he films himself doing it wow. and just really satisfying yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah i i follow i follow a very similar guy and he does pool work okay yeah he goes around to different people's pools i mean they're, they're obviously paid jobs but like um like just seeing the stuff that he does is really interesting but also very satisfying yeah because he's like throwing all these like chemicals and powders and stuff into the pool and like dropping different like jellies and all that into like the filtration system so yeah. it's like why is this satisfying <laughs> why, yeah, I, I was, but also i'm intrigued <laughs> i was like watching the lawn mowing video because it's like i don't know it's not like one of those like 20 second video it, it is like a minute long or something right and i'm okay. like why like 40 seconds and i'm like why am I watching this? And I can't stop watching this. <laughs> Why am I watching someone do lawnmower? Who knows? Who, Who knows? knows? But yeah, people are weird like that. Yeah. Um, question number six. What do you wish was possible? Hmm. That's a really good one. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, what's, a, what's something that I wish existed? I actually don't know. Yeah? Yeah. That's a really hard one to really think of. Um, uh, because there's, there's so many different possibilities, I guess. Um, but there's nothing that's like so completely out of the ordinary <laughs> to like say, this could be real, theoretically. Right. Um, like the one thing that kind of comes to my mind at least is... Uh, it would be. Uh, this is gonna sound so bad, but sold out online. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I I mean, obviously, like being a game developer, yeah. which I don't think we've touched on. Nah, um, surprisingly, being a being a game dev, uh, being a game dev, mm. and seeing stuff like sold out online and how virtual reality and augmented reality are sort of becoming better and better through the iterations that it's gone through. Mm. Um. It's possible, not probably in the next five years, maybe in the next 10 years, yeah. to get like something that's really good and really capable of giving the, that sort of experience. Um, but yeah, at the same time, I feel like it's also way too out of the like the, the grand scope of things to really say this could be done. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess like there's so many different ways that you could take it. Like, again, it could be like, a really good D&D tool mm. to do everything in virtual reality. Um, wow, that would be awesome. It yeah. would be. But at the same time, with how technology is advancing at the moment at its eh, very sort of slow-ish pace, mm. um, I don't think it would be viable within the next five years. I think it would be like more of a 10 to 15 year sort of thing. Right. Yeah. 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 What about like um, in terms of um, something being possible, what about like magic or being able to mind read? Hmm. I would say... <sighs> in, terms of, in terms of, I think, magic? Yeah. I would say telekinetics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, there's, there was this one... <laughs> uh, there was this one anime that I've watched, mm. which is How a Realist Rebuilt the Kingdom. Okay. And the power that he gets when he gets uh, thrown into this world is the ability to animate objects. Mm. So the character, well, the side characters walk into his room 
and they see that he's slumped down on on the desk mm. but behind him there's five quills that are automatically writing out legislations for him <laughs> and it's like that's a skill i would really love to have just <laughs> having extra hands but not yeah, actual true. hands but like extra yeah. hands yeah so that i can do multiple things at once like i know for a fact for real life application one of the best sort of ways that you could use it would be cooking because right. when you look at like more intricate recipes, right, you're like, you're realizing that you have to do this at a certain time, this at a certain time, this at a certain time, but A, B, and C overlap with each other mm. on the start time. So being able to have those extra hands and the knowledge that you have to start this, this, and this at this time, this time, this time, you can get those extra hands to be like, go do this and go do this yeah. while I focus on this. Yeah. Yeah. And could be completely detached from you. Heck yeah. Yeah. And one one hand doing the dishes while yeah, cooking. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think in terms of like say magic, for example, would be telekinetics. Nice. Yeah. Question seven. What will never cease to make you smile? People. Aw. People. I would wholesome say wholesome question, wholesome answer. Yeah. Um <laughs> the only reason for that is because like uh it's that whole thing about, like, you can't judge a book by its cover. Mm. Like, you find some of the most, I would say, like, fearsome-looking people, but then they're just, you know, they're just wholesome at heart, <laughs> really. And, like, you you don't know what to expect coming out of people. So, like, in a way, you could almost say that my answer being people mm. is a very two-sided card because... You find those types of people who are like the most fearsome, like titans, like heavily bulked up looking guys who look like they will smash you to bits. Yeah. But actually they're just warm and cuddly on the inside. Yeah. And then also the, like the smallest, meekest of men. Mm -hmm. And they are like, they look like they would be that opposite, but no, they are ready to mess with you. Yeah. Whether it be physically or mentally. Yeah. So... Like it's a very it's a very wholesome but also very two sided answer. Yeah. In the sense that you read you genuinely cannot judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Yeah. So is it that side of things that makes you smile? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like it's kind of, it, it like either which way it surprises me very much. <laughs> being like, Oh, I did not expect that coming expect out of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, and it's either like it's either like, oh, I did not expect that coming out of you, mm. and I want to get no get to know you more, yeah. or I'm going to step away now <laughs> and not mess with you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and you say that with a smile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you th think is worth dying for, if anything? Oh. What's worth dying for? I, uh, it's hard to say, but I think the one thing that comes to my mind is kind of just the greater good. Mm. Like, as much as that sounds like a really, like, you know, ableist answer, mm. uh, like, if it means that humanity progresses in, like, a way for good, mm. then, yeah, probably. Yeah. But, like people will probably have their own like opinions about it as much as we hate to think. So yeah, a very short and sweet answer, but yeah. also 
very much like a realistic answer at the same time. Have you? Did you play? I think it's. Did you play Walking Dead? Yes, I have. And you know how? I'm pretty sure I haven't played it. I I think I saw someone playing it or watched the ending or something. But it's something like the because there's like adult man. Yes. And the kid. Oh girl, yeah 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 yeah. And then I think she can um give give close to the scientists about how to cure the. Oh wait, this. The Walking Dead or The Last of Us? The Last of Us is what I'm thinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah have you yeah. played that? Yes, I have played it. Yeah, yeah. And it's something like, like the scientists can look at the kid because like, because Ellie is immune to Ellie's immune to the zombie, disease. yeah, the disease. Yeah, and then they can yeah. figure out the cure for it, but then it most likely means that she will have to die. Yeah, in the process, and then the the guy decides to take her away and. Or something like exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were that kid and you had the full idea, full like knowledge that that might happen to you, but then you might they might be able to cure. I I think, um, I think in my opinion, I would want to live my life first. Okay. I wanna I wanna check off every item in my bucket list. Yeah. Before that happens, and be contempt, essentially, like as soon as I feel contempt with the fact that I have lived my life. Mm. I'm ready to die. <laughs> so when where would that when would that be? That like especially in a situation like The Last of Us, mm. I think it would really depend on the time, I would say, because like you're living in a post-apocalypse, right? Right. So it's kind of like things are going to move at a much slower but also at a much fast faster pace mm. as well. And that really depends on your environment. Your environment is kind of just the, the the factor that plays into everything the most. Yeah. Um. So, like, as long as it really, as long as it really takes, I would say. Right. Is is probably the best answer for that. True. Yeah. True. True. What was the most recent thing that made you belly laugh? Uh, I think it was the stupidity of yesterday. <laughs> the absolute stupidity of yesterday. So for context, we were watching the the Game Awards, mm. um, which is like, uh, it's kind of like the Oscars, the Tonys of the, the game in industry mm. with me and a bunch of my friends who are all game developers. And I think the, really the main thing that got us laughing was just some of the some of the games that got announced as the winners for certain categories because we were all expecting this one thing but then it just turns out to be another thing right <laughs> like uh what was it i think it was like best i think it was like best narrative for a game okay and every single one of us in this group voted Baldur's gate 3 right you know what one what one alan wake 2 really yep Whoa. Out of all the games that they had yeah. on that list for yeah. nominations, Alan Wake 2 won. And we were all just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, we were all, like, even though that was like the second, even though that was like the second award, we were all like just full on laughing about it because we were like, fuck, this is going to so be, unexpected. this is going to, no, this is going to become like the battle of the night. Like last year it was Elden Ring versus, um, it was like, what was it? Elden Ring versus something. Uh, this year, it's Baldur's Gate versus Alan Wake 2. Right. Yeah. And what was surprising is we, we figured this out by the end of the night. Mm. Baldur's Gate won six out of the nine nominations that it, okay. it won. Yeah. 
Alan Wake got about the same. Mm. Only won three. Oh. Yeah. Right. So for the most part, it was a Baldur's Gate sweep. Yeah. Which yeah, we yeah. were True. kind of expecting. Yeah, yeah. But like Alan Wake 2 really put up a good fight yeah. with like their nominations, even though it's a static product. Like well, it's not an actual person. But like, yeah. Yeah. So was it been a pretty good game? It must have been. That was the thing. Mm. Like I I'm not a big fan of the Alan Wake uh game that originally came out. Mm. But uh from my assumption, I guess Alan Wake 2 was just that good that it deserved those three wins that it got. Because I've heard a lot of people playing Baldur's Gate, mm. but ne- never Alan Wake. Yeah. yeah. No. Alan Wake literally only came out in the last couple months. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. So it's coming from the fact that people have recently played, finished that game, really enjoyed it, apparently. Mm. But Baldur's Gate, you can't go wrong. It's just too good of a game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it really deserved that Game of the Year award. Right. For sure. Because like like D&D which is obviously what it's based off mm-hmm. there's just so much options that you have playing Baldur's Gate right like hell we started a run recently I'm cur- this is like my 13th run con- wow. co-currently yeah. with all my other characters and campaigns that I'm doing but uh, the reason for this was we wanted to do a modded multiplayer run on the hardest setting possible okay and essentially the hardest setting possible is Obviously, the enemies are harder. Uh, they have things called legendary actions, mm. which they can do at any time. Right. But it's also like Minecraft, hardcore. Okay. Where if you do a, a full team play, uh, team wipe of your characters, yeah, you can't play the game anymore, <sighs> or you can't play that save anymore. That's rough. It's why rough. You, why you do that to yourself? Why you guys? The gamers. This is the thing I don't understand about gamers. You know, we. I, I think it's a. I think it's a thing of like we love the challenge. Yes. And like it's. I get that actually. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where it's like, we we love the challenge so much that we will do anything to <laughs> feel the adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah. Of when you pull that off. Oh yeah, for sure. Know? Yeah. Like, yes, we like did that. Um, I think. It was really interesting because, like, uh, the one thing that we all said to each other when we first made this campaign was, like, we're going to play the com- the classes that we're comfortable with. Mm. And to no surprise, because we're playing what we're comfortable with, we managed to overlevel, like, the encounters that we have. Yeah. So, we are, hi- like, we are genuinely higher level than we're supposed to be going into this, like, going into the next encounters that we have mm. coming up. And it's, like sick (laughs) i mean if i can defeat this guy by throwing four like pikes at a person and knocking them prone every single time i'm keen yeah (laughs) i'm down for it yeah yeah so So you guys really brought your aces in the a game yeah a game very much a game yeah what's who was okay this is the last question from of cow questions all right and this will require pulling your phone out, Dylan. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the last person you called? And what did you talk about? I called. Let's see. Ah, yeah. Okay. So I'm not going to say who Okay. It is, okay. But okay. what I will say is... Um, I was talking with with one of my one of my friends, mm. and uh, it was first and foremost uh, talking about like 
hey, I can't come to Sabres tonight, but uh, I need to talk to you about the project at some point oh, that we want to yeah. do. Okay. And that project is uh, we want to do a pretty, pretty risque photo shoot. Okay. And it's kind of like a, uh, it was kind of like a Christmas present idea. Yeah. Where the actual present itself is not the the shoot, but actually it's printing out and framing the photos from said shoot. Mm. So I'm not going to say what it is because it would be a little bit much for the internet. <laughs> but for the it's a family friendly podcast. <laughs> yeah. But what I will say is that uh, both myself and my friend, yeah. we're really excited to do this. And uh, we're also really excited to just see what comes out of it. Yeah. Because it means that if this goes really well, uh, we could just do this casually. Like, it could be just something that we do because, I mean, we're already such good friends through, like, photography mm. that, like, you know, if we ever just want to do it again just for the shits and gigs, mm. then we could. Wow. Yeah. What an interesting call that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before we go move on to the next segment, what what's your Twitch name? And because um, it was like, it's like the Anon D. Crest, right? Yeah. Yeah, and what's the name? Like, what's the story behind the name? So, it's it's gone through a good few iterations. Okay. Um, my my original handle was just Decrest, D C R E S T. Okay. Um, where did that come from? It's kind of it, it was kind of just a name that I made up on the spot, because uh, this was like when I first bought Minecraft and was like setting up my account and everything, mm. and I didn't know what I wanted to name myself okay. because like I wanted to make sure it was short and sweet but also had a little bit of uniqueness to it. And like, it took so long that I was, I was like, you know what? Can't be bothered anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to use my initials. So DC. Right. And then I don't care. So I'm just going to put the rest. <laughs> yeah. DC. Whereas I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now, so now it's just become decrest, decrest, which is great. Like it's pretty cool. Yeah. And then when I started doing YouTube cool. content, uh, way back in like, say 20, 13 to 15 or something mm. like that uh i wanted to make it a little bit longer um because i knew for a fact that uh starting out my career i was not going to be that big mm. right so i made it the anonymous decrest right right um but then uh when i got older and obviously till now uh starting up stuff like twitch and then also doing a couple rebrands here and then the other uh, I wanted to make sure that uh, it was shorter, kept the same sort of tone, kept the same sort of vibe. Mm. So I then shortened it to the Anon Decrest. Ah, yeah. So that's where that's where the name is now. Right, right, right. Yeah. Ah, that's good to know. Because when I first read it, I'm like, where do you cut cut it? You know, is it the Anon Crest? Yeah. <laughs> or like, what was going on here? You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that that's kind of where it is at the moment, and then. Um, on top of that, with my photography stuff and mm. like sort of my art stuff, uh, straight away completely because I wanted to make sure that those two things are somewhat related but also separate. Right. So with my photography stuff, all of my handles are under uh, Dylan Chan Productions. Okay. Which is very similar in the sense that um, how I've designed the logos and all that for for that is reminiscent of the colors that i use in my twitch okay which is all purples whites golds all that so 
it's very much there's like sort of the dichotomy of the two brands mm. that harmoniously work into one but also stray away from each other yeah yeah at the same time yeah Speaking of which, just because you got few few projects going on there, um, before we get into the last segment, do you want to throw out the where where people can follow you? Yeah, so if you want to follow me on Twitch, it's twitch.tv forward slash the Anon Decrest. If you want to follow me for my photography and my art stuff, it's uh, on Instagram at Dylan Chan Productions, um, and pretty much on all other platforms: Twitter, uh, TikTok. Um, probably instagram reels you could probably find me on one of those two handles as well mm. yeah well i'll have a link to all of those in the descriptions too yeah so here's the last question okay Dylan. yeah since you have your phone out too <sighs> okay have you heard that phrase your eyes are t- your eyes are the window to the soul yeah well someone said that's a lie it's actually your phone notes my notes your notes oh <laughs> could we look into your soul okay please yeah okay (laughs) that depends though that's the thing because how this is this is like this is getting into like sort of how i work as well right um i use notion that's that's my main note-taking app okay uh i've got five different workspaces (laughs) so which one do you want to look into (laughs) so you don't use phone notes you just use notion i use notion right 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 yeah I think so. I'm guessing each of those workspaces is pretty pretty big. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Right. Right. So I'll, I'll I'll give you a little showcase here. Yeah. So this one that I'm currently on is my RPG notes. So these are all different characters. This is like for my campaign. <laughs> these are all other like RPG tabletop systems and other sort of like notes that pertain to okay. those sorts of things. Yeah. So like if I were to go into my campaign notes, for example, for my campaign, <laughs> the Six Spies of Heishan, I go into say like my deities list. And then I have like all of these different sub pages within, within this one page yeah. that are all pertaining to deities and also people who are associated with like archmages essentially. Yeah. Um, and like you go into say, like, let's go into Ilias the Wave Treader of Logic, oh which is like goodness. one of the one of the big oh head honchos. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> is it did you come up with that? I came up with all of the description oh myself. Oh my goodness. Can you read like by part of it or something? Um, okay, so let's see. Uh Ilias, known as the Wave Treader of Logic, is the enigmatic uh, and impartial prime deity who reigns supreme over the Pantheon. This divine entity takes the form of a colossal majestic whale that gracefully navigates the ever-shifting currents of the astral sea. Damn. Yeah. Um, and does it say, like, their background stories and yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, essentially. Uh, for example, as the guardian of knowledge and the embodiment of cosmic balance, Elias possesses a profound and all-encompassing wisdom. Its vast mind delves into the deepest mysteries of the multiverse, seeking to uncover the underlying truth that govern the cosmos. Do you read a lot, Dylan? Like, where does this come from? Like, because you have to be creative. Yeah. But not only that, you have to you have to be able to write you know it's it's really funny i i'm not much of a writer like in general but uh if i have to write i know where to i know what to write Mm. like one of my one of my qualities that a lot of people have really known me for is i know how to write a really good email (laughs) which is really funny right but i find i find writing this specific uh campaign yeah like the notes for the campaign 
uh, sort of a creative outlet for myself mm. to like sort of just vomit ideas. Yeah. Essentially. And like a lot of it then just becomes kind of what it is now where it's this just giant like web of different like yes. information and, and stuff like that. So that's kind of where that's all become there now. There is so much there. It's There's so much information here. So what's Haitian? Haitian is Haitian? Uh, Haitian is the uh, the continent and country of my uh, homebrew world. Okay. Yeah. Homebrew world. Um, yeah. Essentially, how it works is Haitian has six different city, uh, six different spires mm. called the the Ring of Coin, and essentially what it is is uh, each of the spires harbors a different city, major city. Okay. And each of those major cities harbor a different economic trade. Mm. So. The idea is that there is a socio-political element to the campaign where uh, you have to try and find the, like, each of the, well, not you have to try and find, but, like, each of the cities have this really uh, sort of diverse but also very strict um, sort of economic balance that they have to play with each other. Yeah. If one of the cities fall into ruin, where does the money go for that industry? Okay. So now, now it throws everything out of, um, out of proportion mm. kind of thing. So it's a very fine, uh, fine line that every city has to tread with each other to make sure they don't go to war with each other or, and, and keep everybody else in balance mm. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's kind of that whole thing. That's one world. That's one world. Yeah. Um, and then I've got. Obviously, I've oh got pages goodness. for like different old characters that I've got, right. uh, for older campaigns as well as current campaigns, and then a bunch of other stuff here yeah. that uh, is like all just jumbled up with other different things. Yeah, and then I have things like uh, this one, which is my uh, my session notes for uh, the campaign I play in, right? Uh, which uh, to pronounce it is Fidria. Okay. It's uh, it's actually Afrikaans. Oh. Because my um, my DM is actually from South Africa. So he's putting a lot of his culture into this kind of campaign as well, mm. where it's a lot of Afrikaans and a lot of like the stuff that he knows well and brought it into this sort of uh, setup. Mm. And essentially like on here, um, there's a lot of different things where like uh, old session notes that we have, we have a relationship board that we've started building, which basically ties uh, the relationship between all the different characters as well as all the different NPCs and how they relate to right. the world and everything. Um, we have so world notes of like different, of all the different characters, locations, items, NPCs and villains that are in the world. Mm. Uh, and then also just database and personal notes that I have for like my character, like um, here for like my character Kirsten, um, he's got this uh, sort of stage fright um condition okay where basically if he feels out of this element if he feels out of his element i roll a specific check to see if i can keep myself calm and uh consolidated in the moment mm. if i fail it you hear like rattlesnake um like shimmering from like my body right and that scales that Damn. flip because my character is a changeling okay. which means that he can shape shift into different forms mm. so that's his form becoming unstable mm. yeah wow yeah <laughs> it's a that's, it's a lot yeah yeah so much and then on top of that i think the last one i can probably show here is i've got 
my personal one, which keeps track of all my general notes, uh, any game notes that I have for specific games, uh, stuff for my streaming yeah. and for my production company. So what's in the, what's in like, what's the kind of the content in so, don't, so for this one, I actually, it's actually a lot of different things because a lot of these also act as, uh, sub sites okay. for, uh, like the content that I push out. So like, for example, if I go to photo sets here, um, it's actually a way to showcase, uh, like my timeline mm. of like how, th uh, photos are going for clients. Yeah. So, um, I'm supposed to actually move that down into here, but, mm. um, like for example, I've got a to do doing and done list for, uh, clients that they can view. And I've got one, which is for, uh, Armageddon spring 2023. Um, and then in that, for example, it's got all the different like shoots that I had been like asked to do right. from the weekend yeah and like when they were what time slot they were Damn. what the status is for the actual job and all that sort of stuff yeah yeah so it's it's a lot of stuff that's in here <laughs> that's a lot of stuff i've also got rates i've also got um my computer setup because that actually ties into my twitch um showcasing what my computer setup is like at the moment okay and just showing like you know what parts i'm using uh, what peripherals I'm using and all that sort of stuff, just in case for like future reference, if I get sponsorships with like a company mm. to like swap on my headphones, mm. I can just update it there and say, I'm using these headphones. You can use this code for like 10% off at this location. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like, if I was to go into just say my like general note tracker, the most recent one that had been opened was uh, paint colors because- oh, uh, because at the moment I'm doing my, uh, house renovations mm. for, uh, for my two rooms. Cause, uh, my grandmother's old room has now been, isn't being turned into my bedroom. And then the current room that I'm in is turning into my office mm. and I'm building a huge, big battle station for my computer, Wow, which is amazing. I, yeah. I'm going to absolutely enjoy making that. But the main thing I wanted to change was, uh, I wanted to do the setup where one of the walls of the four walls that I have in each of the rooms would be a feature color. And I wanted a sort of very muted, but striking tone that represented uh, like my current sort of state mm. for each of the rooms. So my bedroom at the moment is, uh, has got like a really nice forest green, which I got from Rosine. And uh, the other room I have, which is uh, the office is gonna be uh, in like sort of a dark muted purple mm. kind of tone. Yeah. Uh, chapter and verse specifically um, for the color to, uh, for the color name. Okay. Yeah. So it's. Damn. I'm hoping. I haven't done the other room yet, but so far, looking at the green that I've added to the bedroom, it looks great. Looks exactly how I was hoping it to. Yeah. Yeah. But we've also just had electricians come in, so now I have to repaint some areas. <laughs> 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 is it gonna be another stream painting stream or uh, maybe i can maybe. make content out of it anything is content in this, in this day and age <laughs> yeah you know? yeah yeah but that yeah yeah wow like it's it's one of those things that a lot of people bag me about in the sense that your notes look so like all over the place but it's one of those things where it's like i know exactly where my notes are yeah and when i need them <laughs> so yeah that's kind of that's kind of the current 
situation and standpoint of my notes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that really was looking right into your soul yeah, right there. <laughs> for sure. For sure. It really speaks a lot to my to my character, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you, you'd be surprised like how many, like how much it shows about people. Because I did this with Liam. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was about... It, it was about um, Kiwi Rivals. Yeah. It was about Kiwi Rivals no and his work. Yeah. You know? And yeah. it's just like, yeah, that's what we talked about. And like, clearly that's like... Showcased uh, very yeah, well. It's just good, very good representation of like what he's passionate about. Like yeah. the kind of the brain capacity, like how much your brain is working on that thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. I, I will admit though, like, especially for my end of things when it came to Kiwi Rivals, when I was doing Kiwi Rivals 1 and 2, mm. um, like a lot of my notes, I didn't really keep in a note like area. Um, it was very much my sort of like marketing brain kicking in and being like, right, I'm not going to bother with notes now. I need to make a run sheet quick now. Mm. So like all of those notes immediately got transferred into a, a Word doc. Yeah. So like I didn't even bother just writing notes on my phone i just got my computer just started typing and i created an entire run sheet in like one night right and like on top of that i also created like two three other documents as well on the side purely for myself yeah at the same time right so like all of those notes consolidated into one like sort of setup of like different documents that i can then future reference when i go back to doing q rivals 4 hopefully so yeah yeah. Yeah. What do you have um in terms of like like your like the characters that you came up with? Mm. Do you have like a favorite one that you enjoyed writing that, that stands out to you at all? Ah, oh, they're all they're characters all really good. Dieties. I'm not going to lie. They're all really yeah, good. Yeah. You're proud of them. I'm I'm so proud of them. Yeah. They've become my my babies, literally. <laughs> they're like to, to put this really weirdly, they've just become my babies. They, I mean, you did give birth to them. That is true. That yeah. is true. But what I will say is I think my standout one that I have absolutely loved playing yeah. um, is one of those characters that were in there called uh, Clovis. Mm. Um, essentially, he is a winged tiefling, okay. uh, which is like horns, weird skin. Uh, actually, has wings instead of, uh, instead of not having wings. Mm. But uh, he basically, to, to give you the like simple rundown, uh, born into a noble family of humans, mm-hmm. um, was grown up to become uh, a potential future leader of the town, um, goes on this adventuring party to like sort of do his medical research because he was learning to become like essentially a pharmacist, mm. uh, but uh, cr- like created lifelong friendships along the way, as you do, mm. um, and had almost this uh like span of time where he essentially grew up at a very very fast pace because he always felt like he needed to well he always felt like he was royalty essentially nobility makes sense Mm. like everything was done for him uh he didn't have to do that many things but living out in the wild with his now lifelong party he grew up a lot and there there are parts that did grow up and there are parts that didn't so it was a really interesting dichotomy of having to role play not just the parts that 
you know, were him being a big pompous noble mm. haha like you suck because i more i have more money than you do but also the parts where you could show the fragile side of his nature mm. and like uh there's there's this one thing that i've heard from a, from a lot of different experienced dms where it's like the one thing that always ceases to amaze me at my own table is when you see true emotion come out of your players mm. And being somebody who's been on both sides of the coin, being somebody who has delivered that and also been on the receiving end of it, it really surprises me. And like, especially in the moment where like I quite literally broke down at the table, mm. which caused the entire rest of the party to break down at the table. Like at the, in the moment I was like, this had to be done. Like I was still in that character mindset of like, I had to go, I, I couldn't help it. Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, holy shit, I just did that. <laughs> what did you do? Um, it was essentially this big argument between me and my, and one of the other players who was playing my adoptive sister at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was talking about like, you know, how they had chosen certain actions and did not care for me mm. as the character um and it was this big argument that lasted like at least half half of the session and then by the end of it i was like no nah, i can't and just flew right i left the party for like three sessions yeah and uh well not even three sessions it was like more more like a good substantial amount of time actually um but obviously I came back the, the next session with a new character. Yeah. Um, but they, what happened was is that they realized what went wrong or what happened. And they were like, oh no, what did I just do? What, what did I just do? We just lost one of our most quintessential, play, uh, mm. quintessential characters of our campaign. And all of them realized this at the same time they rushed back to essentially the office that my character was in. Mm. And you could see that because um, previously you would have seen that like his office was nice, neat. Everything was in its place and all that table was flipped over. Mm. Windows were bashed out. Uh, papers, confidential papers, might I add, scattered across the floors. Mm. And you could just see him wrapped in his wings like in the corner doing the like i'm insane shake yeah and like there was this whole moment of i know you're my sister but you don't understand you don't understand what i'm going through and i don't know how i'm able how i'm supposed to make you see it and like you could just see everybody start to be like teary-eyed they were like getting to that point of like emotionally breaking i was already at that point mm. but like seeing everybody else like it's hard to see it, but then you you realize that it's like, oh my god, I've just done that. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. It's there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion that can come out of playing D and D, but it's up to the players and the DM to make those decisions to then go forward with that if everybody else is comfortable with it. Yeah, and thankfully everybody was comfortable with doing that sort of thing, but I didn't expect such a big reaction out of it as well. It's like some kind of uh turn it into a therapy session this one in a way yeah. yeah it really it really did yeah but with that it really did 
like bring the party closer together. Yeah. And created not just the like the bond between the players, but also the bond between the characters that lasts a, lasts a lifetime. Mm. Even though we, by the end of the campaign, all went our separate ways, we would always find ourselves coming back to each other at some point and reminiscing about those moments and loving each and every one of those moments together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely loved this memory the moment of having you on this podcast, Dylan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate you taking time out of your way. No, I mean, to... thanks for having me on, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. But, yeah, it was awesome hearing hearing about D&D stuff because I have no idea, but it's something that I've been interested in. Yeah. I even watched the movie. Did you enjoy the movie, by the way? It was good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Mm. Um, It was very comical. Uh, yeah. But I feel like there's always improvements. Yeah. But hey, I mean, that, that's that's always movies. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah, yeah, but no, but I really appreciate you. Yeah, being here, and then it was yeah, it was awesome talking to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks it's, for having me on. Yeah, for for sure, for sure. But um, looking forward to your con- future content too. Yeah, for sure. See, <laughs> thanks, Dylan. Yeah, no worries. Bye, everyone. <laughs>